Hey, welcome in. Guys, along for the ride. A Wednesday installment. One last day before they play for real here at Sawgrass. We're at the Players' Championship. Uh, we were here yesterday, today, all of our programs. And we'll be here uh, through tomorrow and Friday. Rick Ballou will be our final show here. He'll be on tonight after we're off the air. The other shows were all here this morning. Uh, the Drill, Jaguars today in prime time will be here. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline. Uh, Lauren Brooks, Andrew Gibson, back in World Headquarters. Gibby, you'll be out here with us the next couple days, right? You I will. Your way out? Yeah, looking forward to right. it. Uh, weather should be perfect, I hope. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, weather, it's beautiful today. A little cooler than yesterday, but beautiful, beautiful weather. No question about it. So we will, by the way, have a, a 4 o'clock today. Uh, Chris Reimer stops by. Rhyme time. We'll make our picks. We will unveil the picture of Gibby with the hat. Uh, that'll be that'll be three. I, I was desperately trying to find the other two pictures of the hat so I could put all three all in the picture, but I couldn't find it. Doggone it. Uh, <laughs> it is kind of a shame. Try to get that. So, there you go. So, so, so yeah. So, uh, weren't able to weren't, weren't able to find that. But uh, hey, we're glad you're with us today on the uh, program. Lots to talk about today. Frank Frangie, Hayes, Carly, and Lauren Brooks. You got the levels all figured out over there. You think? Yes, I do. So, so she has to handle yeah, she's the, the weather. Yeah. yeah, and she's the engineer. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you didn't see the job. I mean, by Friday she <laughs> may cure cancer. Well, you, you can you you can play dumb now, but I saw yeah. you when the job got posted apply for yeah. the chief meteorologist slash engineer job. Right. Oh, and, that's and, and, and you were, by the way you were never in it. No. Okay, just so you know, well, you guys are smart. You were ne- you were never in the hunt. Okay, I was hoping I might be able to fake it until I nah, made it. There's no chance you were getting that job. So, uh, but I just want you to know. So, yeah. So Lauren's got weather. Weather, by the way. You did a nice job today. Thank Pretty you. Pretty good weather today, yes. I would say. Yeah, and this the breeze should die down, so I don't think tomorrow will be quite as breezy. And I say that, I mean, some people probably love to watch the golfers struggle with those high wind gusts. I probably will prefer them um, closer to what they'll be tomorrow, which is more like 15 miles per hour. Yeah, it won't be too bad. So, so today the high is... 65, 67. 68, I'd say. And then probably, uh, and then tomorrow, low 70s. So mm-hmm. about like today, right? I think yeah, but I think it'll feel a little warmer uh, because, like I said, less of those winds. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. But it's it's literally, I think tomorrow's going to be perfect. It's ideal. Yeah. yeah. And now, Saturday Friday, a chance of rain, gonna be ideal. But yeah, Saturday's yeah. going to be perfect too. Yeah, and I'll tell you, so I walked the whole course today. I will say this, and I don't always do it on Wednesdays. A lot of times, honestly, I'll come out here later. Tuesday early because we, all, we, we were around for the concert and the military stuff. Thursday, I try and get out early and walk the course and walk, watch some of the players. I don't often do it on Wednesday, one of the few times I've ever walked the entire course. It's cool how many fans come out for the practice rounds. And I probably, of all the years of coming here, didn't properly appreciate that. It's packed out there today. It's sort of like spring training for golf. It is. Because it's Good that call. kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, the players are... They're wearing shorts. Y- yeah, they're having wearing fun shorts, with each other. And, and yeah. the fans are way more likely to... You know, take some time, uh, you know, to talk with fans and and things like that, um, which is understandable because, I mean, again, once competitive play starts, they've got to be locked in. Uh, So it's uh, yeah, it's it's fun. And and again, like you guys talked about yesterday, everybody's in a great mood. You know, I mean, everybody that is out here, it has that spring training. Everybody's in a great mood. And all of our collective troubles have just melted away as soon as we all got on the grounds here. Yeah, and the fun part about coming out on the practice rounds is you're not standing in line for much. Uh, and like we said, you have much better access to the players and they're in, in that type of mood to where they are interested in interacting with you. Donna Murphy's mom was out here earlier today and she got a picture of Jordan Spieth. Yeah. You're not going to get that Thursday through Sunday. And she loves her some Jordan she Spieth. Does. Yes, her, she does. Her shirt had Spieth's face yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah. I, th- I think she got a picture last, was she it did. last year, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they, which is really cool stuff. Um, a lot to talk about today. Uh, by now, I, I assume most of us have read the Calvin Ridley letter in Players' Tribune. 
I did not know it was coming. Uh, I knew some of that stuff about Calvin. I did not know all of it. But what a, what a compelling, powerful, uh, honest, um, my goodness, it was a, what did you think when you read it? It's the best one of these I've ever read. Of all the Players' Tribune, which has probably been around now for three or four years, something like that, I, I mean, the depths of what Calvin was willing to share, and, I mean, it's a tough story. Yeah. I, I mean, going all the way back to his, his childhood. That and, was the hardest part for me. Oh, that was really tough. And, you know, you're an eight-year-old, and you're the oldest sibling, and, you know, now your, your parents are gone. One, his dad got deported, and his mom got, you know, sent away, in, in his words. Um, you know, that's uh, – that's remarkably tough. They didn't see their uh, his five year old uh, brother for like six months, uh, who who was really struggling with it. Uh, to to everything to then, uh, you know, getting into his career with Atlanta, and you know he's he's a a dad, he's a husband, and you know to have a, a home invasion during a game where thankfully no one was home, but. You know, they get robbed, and, you know, he says, you know, nothing was taken that couldn't be replaced. But when we checked the video monitors, the, there was five or six men with guns that were in our house. And it, how could you ever feel secure again, uh, you know, in, in that house? I think it would be very difficult. It was difficult on his family and, uh, and you know, and to everything, to, to the football component of – playing through what the Falcons were calling a, a bone bruise, but in reality it was a fractured foot. In uh, the weight of that, it, it all, as I read it, 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 it made me appreciate and respect Calvin Ridley, who I, I mean, I've never met, um, but it made me really excited that he is going to be a Jaguar, and, and he put some, some big numbers out there in terms of what his first-year expectations are. Yeah, it, as media, we tend to kind of gloss over the – the story sometimes like, oh, yeah, suspended for gambling or torn ACL, what have you. And we just gloss over it. And, and sometimes I feel like I, I need to personally like stop and be like, but this person is dealing with a lot more than just that. To have a two-year-old and to have those injuries and to not have people really respect what you've been going through, I just think that he did a really good job, like you said, Hayes, of letting us behind the curtain. And I hope that he is in incredibly successful here it was as telling to both your points as any i've ever read um i mean it really told the story And for those that haven't read it yet i know you will but but we're, we disseminated information here essentially the stories he told were a um about how he was playing on a broken foot but he didn't realize it was broken um how hard it was to play on the broken foot um how hard it was to go through a change a team the team change general manager coach trainer everything changed uh, how 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 painful it was that he'd come home and his little girl would want to bake in the Fisher Price oven, but he couldn't even do that because he was he was in such a dark place and in so much pain. He talked about to Hayes the point Hayes just told about home invasion when people broke into his home and how scared his wife was and still is because they saw the camera the video of five men with guns breaking into the home. Uh, and then he told the one that got me the most is as a kid, um, his parents got taken away. Uh, they said his dad made some choices that he shouldn't have made because he's trying to make a family get by. They had no money. They were poorer than poor. And I think the story that I can't even get out of my head is when he said his little brother, who was five, was just screaming, where's my mom, my mom, mom. And, and, and he is the oldest, had to calm down his five. He was eight. He had to calm down his five-year-old little brother who was screaming at the top of the lungs he wanted his mom. And whew, I had trouble getting 
past that part of the story. I, I mean, I, I mean, I just honestly, I stopped reading at that point. I'm not trying to overly dramatize this. I'm being honest with you. I had to stop reading at that point and kind of, whew, take a, you know what I mean? Take a breath before I read the rest of the story. And it was so telling. And then the other part that was telling is he talked about the gambling, how much money he spent, what he bet on, why he did it. It was the dumbest thing he ever did. He said, I know it was dumb. I, I'm, I'm the one that messed up, and I, and, I, and I can own that. But here's what I did, and here's why I did it. It wasn't with inside information. I was going to bet on an NBA game, and then I bet on the Falcons, so I could bet on my guys. And uh, he said it was stupid, and it was against the rules, and I deserve what I got. But that's why I did it. It wasn't – he wanted – it seemed like Hazy wanted to tell the story that it wasn't some inside information with uh, getting – making big bucks for some gambling ring, uh, trying to help somebody because he knew what he wasn't supposed to know. If you believe his story, and I do, he just was trying – he needed something to do. And, and I uh, – and he was really telling and contrite – and honest, and what a visceral look at, at, at this guy's life. Uh, to your point, one of the best ones of one of the best players' tribune entries I've ever read. Yeah, and and, and again, it's it's amazing in how it's written because it's written with somewhat of an upbeat mentality, even yeah. though he's sharing all these terrible things that he's gone through. Uh, and then when he does get uh, to the football part, I mean, if you're a Jaguars fan, you're going to be just thrilled when you read this I mean first off how he talks about his practice where you know he's he's out there wanting to take people's souls I mean that's the sort of competitive mentality you love to see and then you know he he laid it right out on the line he said with Trevor Lawrence uh in the supporting cast he's like you know I think a 1400 yard season is coming for me this season I mean if that happens then I I mean obviously this offense is is going to be one of the best in the NFL uh considering the other weapons that it already has and uh, it's it, it's very exciting. And, and again, it was great seeing the video the the Jaguars put out. You know, Trent Baalke yeah. and Doug Peterson greeting Calvin when he he was at the facility today. Uh, he he's in a perfect environment because I I think that I mean I think Doug Peterson he had a huge smile on his face. They both did, but Doug Peterson, <laughs> I mean. He just seems like he would be one of the best guys to to play for, particularly if you're coming out of a out of a tough place in your career. And uh, so, look, Calvin Ridley doesn't have to get 1,400 yards here this season. If he wants that to be his goal publicly stated, that's great, and I hope he hits it. Uh, Calvin Ridley just needs to fit in, and I think he's going to be in the environment that's going to be very conducive to that. He does not have to be the savior of the offense, uh, but it's clear from – you know, his workout videos that he talked about in this uh, and, and his past incredible play, particularly considering he was doing it, uh, playing through such a, a terrible injury for a receiver. I mean, it, 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 it gets you excited and you can tell he's excited and it really may end up becoming one of the best trades we've seen in the, in the league in, in a decade. If, if he hits 1,400 yards uh, to give up basically a, a late round pick, and uh, a future second if he signs an extension. I mean, that is just fleecing the Atlanta Falcons. And let me read that you talked about the 1,400 yards. Let me read verbatim what he said in the letter. On my daughter's name, if I'm healthy with Trevor Lawrence, I'm giving Jacksonville 1,400 yard, yards a season, period. He's not saying maybe. He's not saying if everything goes right. He's saying if I'm healthy and I got Trevor, it's going to be 1,400 yards. 
Yeah, I think today was a bad day for Tyson Campbell and Darius Williams. Yeah. When they read that <laughs> piece, uh, that in practice he wants to yeah. take souls, yeah. uh, good luck, guys, because yeah. now you're not only defending Christian Kirk yeah. and Zay Jones and Evan Ingram, uh, the yeah. whole defense, obviously, yeah. but you guys now have to also deal with Calvin Ridley. Or a very good day for Tyson Campbell and Darius <laughs> Williams, because if you're up 28-7, the other guy's got to throw at you. Right. Yeah. Also, also it might be a very, very good day for – And it'll make them better to it see will. that right. in practice. Right. So, will. I mean, yeah, I think they're going to fully embrace it and – I can't wait to, to obviously see him out there. but Yeah, can I, we go now? Yeah, I thought, <laughs> welcome to the club. Yes, let's yeah. go. Let's now, go now. Yeah, let's play. <laughs> let's have the players on Monday morning. Let's and go and, and watch I'm some there. practice. And here's the beauty, we'll, and we'll talk more about this later on in the program because I want to get to golf after the break. But here's the beauty, too, of this. He's not – right now he's the focal point because he finally is officially here. He finally is reinstated. He wrote the Players' Tribune story. The video's out there. Right now, Calvin Ridley for today, for tomorrow, probably the first day of OTAs where the media can watch, um, maybe the first day, first preseason game, he will be the focal point because he's new. You know who else will be the focal point? Number 24, whoever gets taken there. There'll be some, but here's the beauty of this. He's not here to be the focal point. He's not here, and I want to be clear about this. He's not here to be the number one receiver. If he turns out as the number one receiver, that's fantastic. If Christian Kirk's the number one receiver, that's fantastic. If Zay Jones or Evan Ingram, he's not here to save a struggling passing game. That's the beauty of this. He's here to fit in to a passing game that's already going great. That's the beauty of this. He's not here to save the world. He's here to assist and help a world that's already in the process of being saved. That's the be- that is the beauty of this. He's here to help a world that's already being saved, not here to save the world. Don't don't make don't miss that because that's I don't think Calvin Ridley with everything he needs needs to go to you know what I mean that needs to go have to save the world he needs to go fit in where where the guys support him and he supports them and I, and I think that's the beauty of this. If Calvin argument. has fourteen hundred yards, how many yards does Trevor Lawrence have? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's right. <laughs> but I mean, that, but that's it. The fourteen hundred yards that he that's his goal is fantastic. What matters, you know, what matters more than fourteen hundred yards, fourteen and three, or twelve and five. Right, that's what matters more than fourteen hundred yards. That's the storyline here: is be part of be part of thirteen and four and home field throughout. Be part of that. So, so I, I'm excited about where this might go. All right, let's take a break. We got a lot to do. Glad you're with us here uh, at the uh, Players Championship. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little golf. I walk the course. I'm going to go through some holes. Uh, holes you got. We, we know the golf course. Holes that are treacherous. Holes that aren't. The shape of the golf course. We'll talk a little golf. Then at four o'clock, Chris Reimer stops by. We do our picks as we kick off our loser Monday season. We've got a lot to do. Glad you're with us. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Yeah, I kind of need to wash my truck, but hell, I kind of don't care. I think old Alan Jackson said it best. It's five o'clock somewhere. Welcome back to the program. I got a rule. I got a rule. I never violate. I never break into a country music song, Hayes, when? Until I hear Until beer. Until they, they're drinking. The that's a, that's a yeah. rule of thumb in my mind, yeah. Brooks. You never break into the country music song until the guy talks about the beer, right? Yeah, I think country songs can be broken down into falling in and out of love. Yeah. Drinking. And everything else goes in the other 5%. No, you meant like, tr- you, truck? Can I but get usually it's drinking in the truck. Yeah, so I mean, that's still into the yeah, drinking category. Dancing, that goes in the drinking category. Because if you didn't get to the beer in time, I was going to say, 
I replaced truck with beer. Mm-hmm. I replaced beer with truck. Would but there's be, also would, a lot of whiskey. Would that, would that it's not okay? just beer. Mm-hmm. It's all, well, you know, you know more country songs than we do. Mm-hmm. Most ones I know, there's a lot of beer. It's kind of like ad libs. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, right? yeah, or, or Mad Libs. Ma- Mad where libs? you, yeah, remember the book where you just kind of filled in the word. Yeah. And but it basically was the same kind of the same thing. Yeah. So, so I, but I broke. But I waited till beer came out. That was Riley Green last night. A good concert. Yes, it I thought good. he did a great job. I didn't get to hear all of it, right. obviously, uh, but from what I heard, good. he did a fantastic job. And the hill at 17 was packed. Yeah, you could see the picture. I wasn't there because we were here, but I could see the pictures of it. It was a great job by the players, as always, bringing an act that people really love. It was gorgeous weather. The military appreciation was spectacular, as always, and we sure appreciate our friends from the players making that happen. Walked around the golf course, got a lot of thoughts about holes today. Let's uh, hear from some of the uh, great players on tour. Justin Thomas on why he loves this uh, event so much. Yeah, I always love being here. It's a, a special week. It's you know, it's a, it's our championship. It's our tournament, and the course is always in um, you know immaculate condition. You know, especially being in March, it's very very green, and the kind of the outlines of the fairways and the rough. You know, just it all looks perfect. So um, it's it's a place I look forward to coming every every year. It's a golf course I think is extremely well designed, and uh, I always enjoy playing it. It really does look perfect. The comments of Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, another one of the big name players that will be here, talks about his approach this week. So all in all, I feel good. I don't have a great track record here at this event. You know, it doesn't take much research to figure that out. But um, I feel like when striking it well, having some momentum and feeling like a little bit of um, freedom as far as being able to play aggressively here, um, that's going to kind of be my strategy this week to Try and take advantage. I mean, be patient, but when you get a couple opportunities, make sure you go ahead and fire away. And explain maybe some of the reasons why he has a tough time here. Visually, I've had a hard time on this golf course because I like to see a lot of field shots, and out here there's not a lot of stuff to work it off of. It seems like if a ball is away from a hole, it's just going to move further away from a hole. And I have a hard time visually with that versus, say, Kapalua or Augusta, where it's just you're working a ball off a slope or wind and greens feed in and out and I think that's been my toughest it's been more in the approach game and even some tee balls just feeling confident that when the ball lands it's going to stay versus feeling like it kind of gets rolling off the sides that's the only thing I can think of right now that's an interesting take Jordan Spieth saying uh, essentially to, for people that aren't golfers what he's saying is when a ball lands somewhere else you know where it's going to go here when it lands you don't know where it's going to go it was an inter- I thought it was an interesting take by him today earlier. absolutely uh, Jordan Spieth uh, he's right about his uh, history here he was T4 in his debut in 2014 and, and the, you would certainly think this course would suit him in his game because he's not really a bomber he's just a precision player uh, but since that uh, tie for fourth in his debut he's missed uh, five of uh, his last seven uh, cuts here and uh and has an average of 71.86 in his eight starts which isn't very good but he's at the point again this will be his ninth start here at some point Jordan Spieth is going to figure out the stadium course and he's going to have better results here and so it's odd because you hear that soundbite from him and you would come away from that with probably not having a lot of confidence that he's going to do well this week but it's almost when players get to this point of a sense of – because there were other comments he made about not knowing when to be aggressive. And I want to play aggressive, but, you know, but I've realized that sometimes you have to be conservative. And he's like, I realize I'm, I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth. But it's almost like when players have that kind of a press conference on Tuesday, a lot of times they come out and play great. It's almost like 
when a player kind of waves the white flag and acknowledges that they struggle at a course, for some reason that tends to unleash pretty good play. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know that Jordan Spieth is going to be in contention come Sunday, but I, I do, I do I find his comments interesting. And, uh, and Justin Thomas as well. I mean, he talked about uh, that he preferred this tournament in May, which surprise, surprises me because he's won it in March. Uh, but he said that he preferred it when it was firmer in May, uh, and obviously it, it, it's, it's softer in March. So uh, I thought really interesting comments from two of the more higher-profile players on tour and, uh, you know, many ways in which to kind of read into, I think, their comfort level here this week. I wonder, I mean, obviously this year in comparison to last year is completely different, but I wonder how much firmer the greens are this year in comparison to the other years they've had it in March since we have had such a warm February. Yeah. Frank, you've played this course a bunch. How easy is it to overthink once you, well, you know, get on a certain approach? Yeah, and I'm the wrong – a hack, 10 handicap golfer is the wrong one. I appreciate the question. But we probably don't, can't answer that question as well as these guys can. But your point where you're going with the question is dead on. Because so much is made of the course and so much is made of this. you got to believe they overthink it, right? you gotta, you got to believe they, they – because Hayes made the point. You don't have to outdrive anybody here. You know, that, that, I mean, that never comes into play here. you got to putt, and you gotta, and, but it's target golf. And to your point, sometimes just go play, right? So, so, so I hear you. Um, I, I will say, but, but I'm telling you, Jordan speaks one comment about – I know this. I do play enough golf to know this. If you, if you have a course you play a lot – you kind of know if you hit it right, it's going to feed down. You know, you kind of know if you, if you, you, you want to miss short here because the trouble's in the back. Just anybody that plays a lot of golf, that plays a course a lot, you kind of know it. It's interesting that Spieth, as good a player as he is, and Hayes, to your point, a, a target golfer, is a guy that what, what makes it uncomfortable, he can't look at the course and tell what the ball's going to do when it hits. That's really interesting. I mean, I've, I've not heard, of all the 40 years of interviews we've heard, I've not heard anybody explain it that way before. Have you? No. I, I've never heard anyone say it like that, which is really interesting. It, it is. And, again, with Spieth, it's, it's interesting when you look at the, the history of the tournament. Uh, we talked yesterday about how your fifth start, your sixth start, your seventh start, that's kind of the sweet spot for winning this thing. The other sweet spot is your tenth start. And like I said, this will be ninth for Jordan. So it, it makes you wonder if this will be – the final year of sort of his education around here, and then maybe is next year the year that he's able to get it done. Because I will say this, you don't see a lot of guys that win it uh, beyond their 10th start here. It's happened, uh, but it's rare. So it's almost like for Jordan Spieth in the Players' Championship, if he doesn't get it this year or next, the history says he's never going to win here. So I walked around the course today, and uh, it is gorgeous. And, and – it's not like every tournament looks like this. You know, sometimes we think, well, the only PGA Tour, Tour tournament we see is this one. So we talk about how awesome it looks, but we think they all look – they don't all look like this. That's why the players, even their job, jaw drops sometimes. I can tell you, when you walk around this golf course, you think, wow, this is great, but I'm sure it looks the same at Hilton Head and, and, and wherever. Well, that's not the case. It, 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 they, they're beautiful golf courses, and they're, they're in their – they're in their best shape of the year for that one event, that one week, but they don't all look like this one looks. And the way they've had this thing, how posh it is, the way it's cut out, I, d I noticed this, and, and as a hack golfer, I say hack, as a 10 handicap golfer, we notice this as we walk around, you don't want to miss in the rough here. You know what I mean? I mean, if you, for a lot of times they'll let us play this. I think the benefactor plays on Monday right after when it's in course conditions, and we get to play it immediately right before they close it down, so it's not quite 
tour uh, tournament conditions, but it's close. When guys like us hit one in the rough, we're dead. These guys, so there's a reason there's a reason to stay out of the rough here. Uh, it's interesting. I, wa- I walked all around the golf course. Uh, there wasn't much wind today, but I still saw guys trying to figure it out, trying to figure out the wind. I get a hunch the wind is going to rear its head in this tournament this week. I, I, I get the hunch. Chief Meteorologist, is it going to be windy? What's, is it expected to be particularly windy or no? Today should be actually the windiest of, of the, the of days. The, yeah. yeah, today the, the wind gusts were getting up to over 30 miles per hour. And when hour. I was out there, it wasn't super windy. It was up and down. When I walked around, it was, there was some wind, but it wasn't that big wind. But uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, whether or not it is. But, uh, but I uh, um, I think 14's hard, but I was, just, I, was, I was just talking to some friends earlier. Can you imagine the walk from 16 to 17? When you're in the lead by a shot, you're in the lead by a shot. You've spent four and a half days or three and a half days building this lead to win one of the biggest golf tournaments in the world, and you got to walk. And you see that sucker? Your walk that that's got to be the longest walk ever, doesn't it? It's almost like if you're at the foul line and your team's down one. Yeah, and they have you walk from the arena to the convention center <laughs> to right. take the free throw. <laughs> exactly like, right. I mean, it, well it, said. it is a long, long walk. I mean, the pressure, that's what makes yeah. golf just so, to me, fantastic right. to watch. Is I mean, the mental toughness uh, that you've got to have, it's such a difficult sport. And to pull off these shots with so many people watching and the pressure, I mean, the the purse and the prestige of winning the players and uh, and and look, let's just be honest. There's also that little hint of infamy. Yes. I mean, you don't want to be the guy that right. you know it is is on the video for the next thirty years when it's, it. it's Sunday early evening and the right. leaders are coming to seventeen. And okay, now let's show you know the the guys that you know unfortunately found water uh, at the at the most crucial moments. And so it's. It's got everything. I mean, it, it has got all the pressure uh, that you could ask for in sports. It's, a, it's an amazing golf course. I would expect that that walk is a little easier if you've played 17 pretty well all those previous three days. I agree. But if you haven't and you're walking out there and you have the lead, yikes. Yeah, it's going to be hard either way. But, yeah, you, level of confidence in golf is everything. Right. Com- confidence in sports, confidence in anything is Yeah, is, if is you've everything. put it in the water and you're leading the golf tournament, obviously you're still doing really well. But I would think that that walk is even more difficult. No question about it. All right, we've got a lot more to talk about. Uh, we're going to back up our picks. Chris Reimer is running just a hair late, so he's going to be here at 420. So our picks will be 420. So he'll be penalized and pick last. Well, no, he's going he, no, to get Tom, Tom Kite. <laughs> Okay, wait, I'm a sign. I know he's driving, listening right now. I'm going to sign him, Tom Kite. You probably already know this, hence where the joke comes from. But did you realize that Tom Kite has the most made cuts here at the Players Championship? I did, I did not know that. <laughs> okay. I just like talking about. The he one won maybe. in like '81, I think. He's he's won this event. That's why he's oh, a good pick. Yeah, <laughs> super. Well, I, That's right, I, I go to Tom Kite a lot. Number one, because I know. The Tom Kite's a player from years gone by, but also Super Seventy Sports has something in his like oh, his, like his workout. It is fantastic, and, and, that, and it has made it's Tom, a Tom Kite workout video. Yeah, and it's made Tom Kite probably my favorite golfer, favorite yeah. golfer of all time. If you haven't seen that, him on, makes more sense. If you haven't seen him on Super Seventy Sports, it, it's spectacular, isn't it? Oh, it rivals, I would say, what Rod Stewart, <laughs> you know, Mick Jagger, you know, uh, you know, icons, uh, yes, uh, you yes, know, of, of the uh, of the seventies and eighties. Uh, right, so anyway, our picks come up at four twenty. We come back. I want to talk a little basketball. Ole Miss looks like they're on the verge of hiring Chris Beard as their basketball coach. Got a thought about that. Stay with us. Frank Frangie Hayes, Carline. I'm Lauren Brooks. We're live here at the Players Sawgrass Square. Andrew Gibson back at 10 to Excel headquarters. 
All right, Frank, as you mentioned right before we went to break, Chris Beard and the Ole Miss contingency have discussed potentially him being hired for the Ole Miss men's basketball job. What do you think? Well, here's an impo- it's, a, it's a topic more than just about Chris Beard. So Chris Beard is a really good coach. I mean, he's like he might be one of the best coaches in the country. He got Texas Tech built and got him to a Final Four. Left Texas Tech. They were all mad at him, but he, when Texas calls, you go. And he built Texas into what may be a Final Four team this year. He's a really good coach. On, on, in December, on December 12th, he was fired by Texas over a domestic uh, abuse accusation. Apparently, Randy True, who is his fiance, called 911 and told officers that he choked her from behind, bit her, and hit her when the two got in an argument. Texas at that point had, didn't have a whole lot of choice. Texas fires him um, uh, a week or so later. Later, True releases a statement a week later that said she denies telling police that Beard choked her, and she said she initiated a physical struggle. Later, after the investigation, the, the district attorney essentially said, there's no evidence that he did anything wrong and dropped the case. Okay. Yet his, his career is blemished forever by being accused of what he was accused of. To his credit, he has maintained his innocence from day one. He said, I did not do that. I, that is not, I, it, none of that happened. So Ole Miss once, fires Kermit Davis, who was time, you know, Kermit's an old coach, had been around a little bit. Ole Miss is the kind of school that picks up the pieces like they did with Lane Kiffin. That, that, that's kind of what, what Ole Miss is. What happens here? If you're Ole Miss, do you hire him? Should a bigger school hire him or a bigger basketball program hire him? And how would you go about it? It's a fascinating story to me because none of us know what happened in that house except for he and the fiance. But evidence would indicate that maybe – it didn't really happen the way the report came out. What do you think? I think Ole Miss is doing exactly what they should do. This is a you know an innocent man, and I understand Texas having to quickly dismiss him because of the seriousness of the allegations. Uh, but I think if you're Ole Miss, I mean you're you absolutely make this hire, and you're going to have. I, I would argue. Ole Miss is top five. If if you're talking about Lane Kiffin and Chris Beard is your football basketball coaching combo, I think that's top five. It may it may really be high. higher. It's real. It's really it's what it's quite the combo. I mean that. So I don't know how long he'll be at Ole Miss. I would imagine it it won't be well. That's part of the conversation. All that long, but I would do it. And if you have Chris Beard three years, and then he goes and coaches Kentucky or UCLA or Kansas, then. You know, you tip your hat to him, but I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I think the guy's sensational, and uh, to me, there's nothing that should prevent anyone from hiring him. He was accused of something, and it was recanted. I think Texas should have kept him as suspended until more of the story was was you know unfolded, and so that's where, yeah, I think at this point, Ole Miss absolutely should be able to hire him as long as they've had conversations and they believe his side of the story. I mean, if, if he can't be prosecuted for it, then certainly they don't have anything to go off of. The, uh, so if you're all, so we're all in agreement. I agree with both of you. They should hire him. So, but if I'm Ole Miss, 
I think my position, for whatever reason, I don't think the big schools, if Kentucky, if, if John Calipari went to Texas and that job's open, best job in college basketball, right? No, nobody would debate. It's the best job in college basketball. It, it, it trumps North Carolina, Duke, all of them. If, if Kentucky comes open, I think Kentucky would be reluctant to hire him, even though I'm in agreement with you, he'd be the best coach on the market. But because you're Kentucky – and because the allegations were out there, I don't think Kentucky would hire him. Do you agree with that? I think Kentucky would because okay. they hired Calipari when he was really in yeah, right. uh, the crosshairs of okay. the NCAA. Uh, maybe yeah, right. I agree. And, and, so, I mean, so, so maybe they would. But nonetheless. I, I think North Carolina wouldn't. Yeah. I don't know that Kansas would. Duke. Duke wouldn't. Duke wouldn't. Kentucky, to me, has, has yeah. always come across as I'm with you. we'll do whatever yeah. it takes to win in basketball. and. Integrity hopefully will be along the way in that, but if it isn't, it if our coach is a little greasy, that's yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. So but I think Kentucky would, but, but, I, but I get your point. I yeah. think some other traditional powers might might take some pause. He's probably going to take the Ole Miss job if they offer it, because the Kentuckys of the world either aren't open or aren't offering. That's my point. And like Notre Dame, I don't know how if you think Notre Dame is a better program. I would say Notre Dame is a better program than Ole Miss, but I don't think, and it's obviously open, but yeah. I don't think Notre Dame would take yeah. him either. They're the same job to me. They're the same. I just feel like, yeah. like being in the ACC, at least in men's basketball, gives, yeah, yeah, gives better. you a little and, bit. And it's Notre Dame. Yeah. I mean, Notre, Notre Dame trumps other schools on a lot of fronts. Right. But the basketball job is just a job. But, but the point is, if Ole Miss hires him, I think if I'm Ole Miss, I say, listen, we, we have a chance to build something here. Um, the Bianco, the baseball coach, just won the national championship. Mm-hmm. You got – you would have, to Hayes' point, Lane Kiffin – Chris Beard, and the baseball coach who just won the whole thing. The baseball coach who right now is holding the trophy, right? So And the women's basketball coach, not that many people care, but is the former JU women's sure, basketball coach right. who's yeah. done a fantastic She's very job at good. Ole Miss. But I think if I'm Ole Miss, I want to say, Chris, we believe you. We're, we're, we're in lockstep with you. We'll create the dollars to make this feel like you were going to Texas or wherever. Or, or, but I need you to be committed to. I, I need what we don't want is three years and then you're at North Carolina. What we and, and I know with whereas we can't and everybody says that, but I, I I made this comment when Louisville hired Bob Petrino, I said I wouldn't I wouldn't do this unless he had a I said this on the air, a ten year um, buyout a ten the buyout would be ten years, and meaning if he left before ten years it would be fifty million dollars or whatever and I remember saying that, and I, I'm, I'm telling you this is a true story and that's what they did. Turned out he was lousy and they had to fire him. But do you remember? Mm-hmm. I remember when they hired Bob Petrino, I said, listen, take a chance on him because he's a really good coach, but the buyout should be 10 years or money that you couldn't pay. And they did that, and then they had to fire him. So, so for me, uh, you, but I agree with you, this is one of those cautionary tales that, that it looks like, and I don't pretend to know, that the woman came up with a story. And again, I, we don't know. But it sounds like the woman, and to her credit, she said she didn't say that to the police. But the policemen don't usually get the story wrong, you know. I, I, I it's, it's. But whether the policeman got the story wrong, whether the woman said something that didn't happen, there certainly is evidence. The district attorney agrees. There's not enough evidence to think he did this. And I'm not sure. But it's an odd story. If they're still together, then I'm certainly going to lean towards Chris Beard's side of things. But I was going to, I was going to bring that up. I just didn't know how to bring it up. I wonder if they're still together. Yeah, and I don't know they, that part. And if they are still together, does that help or hurt his cause? It shouldn't affect it at all, but 
we're in a real world here. Sure. If you're if if they're still together, then if I'm the AD or president of Ole Miss, I'm going to want to bring them both in. And I'm going to need an explanation, right? Wouldn't you think? I, I would think so. And and again, I think you're well within your right. Normally, obviously, that wouldn't be something that you know you'd really get into. But I think in this uh, case, if they're still together, then yes, I think it would be good to. Uh, have her be a part of the interviews and things like that. And, and when I say interviews, just sort of getting to know you, you know, like whether you're meeting at Beard's house or the AD's house or the president's house, wherever, there, there's going to be an informal part of this that I would want her to be included in. Now, again, I would also want, you know, her, I would want anytime I was hiring a coach, I'd want the spouse to be involved as well in right. terms of just the getting to know you. But in this case, I would absolutely make sure that that happened to get a feel of, uh, you know, of their relationship as best you can um, if, if they are, in fact, still together. Yeah, th- I would assume that they are because most of the time you're not going to come back out weeks later and recant kind of. Usually if you're not together at that point, then you would kind of rather have the charges go through. And I feel like if they weren't, we'd know they weren't because that would be you know, I kind of feel like that too. The, um, but, I mean, I'm telling you, this guy is – basketball insiders, this guy is regarded as Jay Wright, Billy Donovan good, right? I mean, he, he's, he's if, that. If the Florida job was open, I would be demanding yeah. them hire him. And if the Florida job was open, that's a, great, that's a great point. If the Florida job was open, I would hope Scott Strickland would deeply consider hiring Chris Beard. And, 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 I, and I think so, too. And I think he's going to wind up with the job. But it's but it's an it's an interesting thing. It really is. The um, Florida plays tomorrow against Mississippi State. Do you care? We I watch. Do. We watch. Yeah, we I watch. Care. You're, I care we'll about be Riley. here. But I mean, I care about Riley Kugel. That's why I care. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I I mean, I care in the sense that obviously I'd like to you see them if, win. Right. Uh, but you've given up hope that anything's going to happen this year. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I mean, I, will I watch it? Probably not. I mean, because I. Yeah. You know, I'll prioritize watching this, so watching golf over right. uh, over the Gator basketball team. But, uh, you know, it's a shame. It's, it feels like they always play at, like, one on this week. <laughs> they it's do. like, they you know, do. feel free to get into a seed <laughs> right. where, you know, you play might actually play at night, yeah. you know, where we could we could watch. But, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I won't watch any of it. I, I hope they do well. You, uh, I you? think best case scenario, and I think they lose tomorrow, but I think best case scenario is – they beat Mississippi State by one, and then they get the uh, privilege of losing to Alabama by 14. What, what, four, I'd love or to 22. For, yeah. <laughs> I think 14 today. Or 28. Um, I, uh, I, uh, what, what year was it? Hayes, Hayes and I ran across the water yeah. to the Marriott to watch the LSU, right? That's probably like 18. Yeah, something maybe. like that. And, and then, we, and then that, that year. Last year, I think we were the rain caused us to be at Mr. Chubby's. We were. So we, we were watching it. We were watching the A&M game. Uh, in overtime, see, they always find a way to do this right about now. And then now. one year, yeah. I watched by myself where we were broadcasting from because both of you were at the Nick Foles press conference. That might have been. Okay. Okay. It, was and that, then there was. And that was the year they canceled the tournament. 2020. Yeah, yeah. And there was one year we were watching behind 17T, and we actually watched the end of the game, and Florida won it. Okay. But I can't remember. That was probably 17, 17 or 18. Okay. Um, but Florida won the game. Uh, I think we we started the show, and there was maybe ten minutes left in the second half, something like that. Uh, so we watched it right there in the benefactor. 
That's a good place to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, you know. I oh, on a laptop. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a good way to watch it. All right. We've got more to do again. In, in the 4 o'clock hour, we'll do our picks. We'll begin our Loser Monday season. We'll talk a little more basketball today. i got to talk to you about the Big East. We'll talk a little more golf. And uh, I do want to uh, go back and circle back at some point today to the fantastic letter in Players Tribune uh, penned by Calvin Ridley, the newest Jaguar. All that coming up. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Hey, we're glad you're with us. We are live here at the uh, stadium course on a gorgeous day here on the first coast, about 65, 64 degrees. Tomorrow it'll be about the same, maybe a little bit warmer than this, but it is a beautiful day out here. We are glad you are with us. Uh, golf all weekend long. March golf. Again, I, I came around. I, I, I was a May guy. I like it hot. I liked May. I liked where it fit in. Uh, they were gonna, I told Jared Rice he was going to have to move me a little bit on the whole uh, March thing. But he's moved me. I think March is about right here. I like it. Yeah, I, I like it too. I still probably would be a little bit more leaning towards May. May, right. Um, but, but it's look, it's, it's great. They could play this in December, and it would be magnificent. But I, I, I think it, it probably fits better for us being in March, so that's good. Uh, it doesn't, you know, you don't have anything else going on. You know, the Jaguars aren't on the field or anything like that, like they would be in May. Um, you know, so from that aspect, it's good. But I, I do like the, I like the consistent, reliable, hot weather in May. Here, it's you know, you could have days where I'm not talking about last year. That was like storm of the century. But I, uh, the the temperature fluctuates a little bit more than I would like in March. But it's great. I mean. When I first started covering the tournament, it was in March, you know, like 22 years ago. So it certainly isn't awkward or anything like that. But if I had a preference, I'd probably prefer May because I wanted to see the PGA get moved to May. To me, the players is bigger. I I get the PGA is a major. The PGA get moved to March, you mean? I wanted the PGA to get moved to March and for the players to stay in May. But, uh, oh, well. I think in March it's a little bit more family-friendly as far as the temperatures go. I think it's more difficult to bring out younger people and older people when it's 95 degrees outside and have them walk as far as you uh, do when you're out here. So I think March is is perfect for every generation to be able to enjoy it. Uh, News from the Jaguars, not not unexpected, but as we all pretty much knew was going to happen, Shaq Griffin uh, has been released by the Jags. In the process, uh, the Jags save about $12 million in cap room. Of all the free agents' moves that, that Trent Baalke has made in these last two years, and they've been good, man. They, they, they've been very good moves. That's the one that didn't work. That, that's the one that um, he got injured. There was uh, – he did – he I, I think there would have been – some guys might have played through it. Other guys might have opted for the surgery. Uh, Shaq Griffin made a choice, I think, that he wanted the surgery. He believed he needed to have it. Uh, so he had the back surgery. He was gone for the year, as it turned out. Uh, Hayes, I'm not sure they were bringing him back anyway, even before the injury and the surgery. Uh, I liked Shaq when he got a good guy. Seemed like a real good guy. Um, I thought he was a guy that connected, connected with teammates, connected with fans. Just didn't turn out to be a great player. I, I think he str- even before the injury, he struggled more. In co- didn't Last year, we all know, he had got his hands on some balls that he didn't catch. Uh, was very upfront about that. Said, listen, I got to... That's what I've got to do a better job of. I've got to catch balls when I've got a chance to make interceptions. And then this year really struggled a little bit in coverage. So I'm no, obviously nobody is surprised by the release. We all knew the release was coming. But I'll take it a step further. Hayes, I think the release would have come at the end of the season, even without the injury that cost him half the year. 
Yeah, it, look, he's got a really expensive contract, and when that happens, your first two years have to be big years uh, to, to get to year three. They weren't. His first year was decent um, in, in what was just a terrible year for the, the team, and then this past season was a great year for the team that he was basically the biggest disappointment in. He didn't play well, was hurt, uh, and you know I, I, the writing on the wall for this has been there since November. Uh, because of uh, the lucrative nature of Shaq Griffin's contract, the Jaguars save $13 million by releasing him with very little dead money. Uh, it makes all the sense in the world. And, uh, again, the Jaguars uh, you know, are, are, are taking another step towards being salary cap compliant, which they've got to be at uh, really about actually exactly a week from today. Uh, the new league year will open uh, at 4 o'clock. It's 4.05 now, so we are under a week away. And uh, when that new league year starts, you've got to be at the cap or under it. And uh, they had to make this move. They definitely did. But I have to tell you, standing at at Shaq Griffin's press conference before this past season, when he was super honest about the drops and how many interceptions he wanted and how hard he had worked, I thought for sure the combination of Shaq Griffin and Tyson Campbell was going to be one of the better duos in the league. And so it's disappointing, certainly, that it ended this way. Yeah, I I, I, I did too. Um, I'll I'll give my friend Pete Prisco credit. He said all along he didn't love it. Pete said when they hired, when, when they signed him, look, he's 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 okay, but he's not a great cover guy. I found myself thinking after last year, when he when he made plays on the ball, just didn't catch it, that he would start catching it, be a good cover guy, be a good corner. But he was always a guy you could attack, wasn't he? He was a guy that you were always going to. And, and as Tyson Campbell developed, even in his rookie year, you could tell Hazy was clearly the better of the two players. Yeah, and again, this is this will tell you all you need to know about why they made this move and is it the right move I, I don't i'd be very interesting what kind of contract awaits shaq griffin now now that he's a free agent i don't think it's going to be for much uh at all so i uh, you know i i i would imagine that shaq griffin is uh you know unfortunately he's because he's he's got a great personality but i think he's probably headed towards the the downslope of of his nfl ride and you know, certainly he, he had a great career considering, you know, where he entered from. But I, I think it's – I think he'll sign somewhere, but I think it's going to be for very minimal money. All right. All right I'm going to get to college football for a second, and I will continue this conversation uh, throughout the days and weeks. College football had a spike in attendance last year for the first time in eight years. Did you see this story? For the first time in eight years, college football has had declining attendance for seven straight years. Pretty good bump this year. It was the biggest increase they've had in 40 years. The last time they jumped this much in average attendance was 81 to 82. It's 40 years. Now, part of that could be last year was we finally really – 2021 was still feeling the effects of the pandemic, and last year we were finally through the pandemic, so everybody came back and drove. That might be the number. There are also the experiential uh, things that that schools have done. They've made it – more schools that ever are selling alcohol, more schools that ever are making it fan-friendly. Stadiums have been renovated. But, but I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going to get to the Gators in a second. But are you surprised that more people went to college football games last year than they had in a long, long time? I'm not because Tennessee was good. Yeah. And so and just right stadium. there uh, with the size of Neyland Stadium, uh, that's going to really help move the needle for, uh, for college football attendance. Um, 
I'm I'm not. I, I think the sport's in uh, in a very good place. And, and again, I, I do think people wanted to get back to having experiences, you know, coming out of the pandemic and attending a college football game is something that a lot of people love to do. I mean, kind of took it for granted. I know I did. I didn't go as a fan for uh, many years and then finally did and, and was like, what have I been doing? Why, why did this take me so long? Um, you know, so I, I think there's part of that of people just want to get back to doing the things that they love. And, and so I'm curious if it'll be sustainable, if it'll go up again next year. Um, but uh, but I, I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that it went up. I'm surprised just because I thought we had gotten to the point where most people – preferred their living rooms over going to games and as we've talked about to get to a college town unless you live in it it is much more difficult than than usually going to other cities big cities and so i am surprised i thought it would continue to keep declining i'm surprised too for the same reason i I thought it would decline as well having said that at some point they've got to renovate the swamp i just went to the baseball stadium it's magnificent i can't believe there's a better college baseball stadium in the country uh there's some that are bigger Mississippi State seats 14,000. Florida seats about nine. Um, South Carolina is the crown jewel. The new, the new Alex Box at uh, LSU is, is gorgeous. But I can't imagine there's a better one. Uh, I think, and I, shame on me, I still haven't been to Exact Tech Arena since they renovated it, but, I, but I'm, I'm guessing that's great. So I got some thoughts about the swamp. They're not, there was talk at one point about knocking it down and building it somewhere else where the golf course is now. That's off the table, I can tell you that. Correct. They're, they're, they're now going to renovate the swamp. What do you want to see happen? At the, what would you do? What would be good or bad for you? Because i got some thoughts on it and some ideas where I think they're headed. I, you know, I think it's going to just be – I don't know that it's something that I'm going to particularly love myself because I like the idea of the swamp being a snake pit. And I'm willing to sacrifice my comfort for it to pack as many people in as you can and make it as loud as you can. Uh, I, I, and I understand I'm in the minority on that. I, might be. Yeah, might not be. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be lush, and it's going to be uh, – it's going to have all the amenities. That's going to require, uh, you know, much fewer seats. Um, and I worry about the, you know, the, the noise. And, and will it still be the – you know, it, that's the best thing this program has going for it. Because, I mean, it was unbelievably loud last year uh, for Utah and Kentucky and LSU. Um, the crowd was there when the defense needed it. The defense just didn't really do much other than the Utah game. So, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be the, the enhancements that we see for the people that are going because it's more of a social event than I'm going to lock in on every play and live and die with every play. So, um my guess is it'll be beautiful, and uh, it'll certainly be a great uh, revenue enhancer for Florida. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not sure for me personally it's something that I'm going to be blown away by. I, I hope I'm wrong, um, but, uh, but I, I, I fear it's going to be uh, a, a more sterile environment. Every person who goes should have their own seat. I don't think that the concrete bleachers are sufficient for today's fan. Uh, as much as it seemed to be fine when I was in school, everybody's standing uh, in the bleachers. I don't think nowadays people like that. Okay. And then if I can get on a plane and charge my phone, uh, again, today's fan, especially today's student, they're going to want Wi-Fi that works, and they're going to want a place to charge their phone. 
and then certainly taking it up a notch, having servers go to you know your seat uh, or in your area, having way, way, way fewer people in line for the restrooms. I have not been to a game in a while, but I went to that Garth Brooks concert a few years ago. It was about a 30-minute wait right, so to, you want, to get to the restroom. You want, you want them to put an NFL stadium on that property. Right. Okay. You well, want, I'm saying that's what I think needs to happen. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, uh, and again, I haven't sat in many stadiums these days, so I don't know what, what college pro stadiums do have. I do think individual seats are a must. What's the number of capacity that would concern you? Right, by the way, right now the capacity is a little over 90. That means sold out, less than, more than 90, less than 90, fewer than 91 would be. When it, Utah had to be 90-something, I'm mm-hmm. guessing. Yeah, okay. where, probably 93. Yeah. Or oh, was it that much? Okay, so I think so, yeah. Where do you think that – Kentucky? I mean, I'm Kentucky. worried that it's going to come in at like 77,000. Okay. And, and does that bother you? Yes. How about you? I think as long as it's still like 84, I'd okay. be totally fine. What if I told you that they hope to build on the east side, which is the side that generates the least revenue because it's students? Mm-hmm. If you, if, if you rebuilt that side to where it had levels like the North End Zone did, almost like decks and levels, if you, did, if you put decks and levels or on both east and west and you had all the amenities you wanted, Lauren, um, made it a better, more of a revenue stream, uh, still took care of your students, and, but, the, but it went down to 80. How would you, it, it, the capacity was 80. How would you feel? I'd understand it, but I wouldn't. Not think, enough. I wouldn't think it's enough to create the same swamp environment. Okay, so you, you'd worry about the the atmosphere. Yeah, the noise. Eighty way too few for you. Uh, yeah, I don't like it, but yeah. I mean, again, I'm. But I was asking your yeah. opinion. Do you like I, it? Or I, I don't like it. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it's gonna. I, I don't want to go see the Gators play in the swamp and feel like I'm watching the Panthers play the Bears. Right. You know, yeah. which is what I think it's going to be. Well, the challenge, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I mean, look, I, I understand it. it the, the college fan has more passion than the NFL fan. For the, you know, particularly when you're talking about these, you know, SEC, you know, Southern heavyweight programs. But, uh, but yeah, I, I worry about it because, I mean, again, so much of Florida's identity uh, – is that how dominant they can be at home. And a big reason for that is the crowd. And you're seeing so many things slip away from that program in terms of strengths. Now it's almost like you're voluntarily giving away one of your bigger strengths, which is this unbelievable home environment. I mean, I I can't imagine that, you know, losing 13,000 people is not going to make a difference in the crowd. I just, I, I just can't. I can't imagine that. So I don't like it, but I, you know, I understand that this is the way of the world, and well, you know. And we're, we're going to continue. We're going to do our picks in a minute. We're going to get back to it later. But here's the challenge: the challenge is to treat your customers right, to not lose too many of them. I think what changed the paradigm a little bit was last year. Up until last year, ninety thousand seat stadium doesn't matter if you can't get ninety in it. If if you're not going to get ninety, what's the point in having all the seats? But last year they got 90 a few times, so that's the question they've got to ask. We'll talk more about that. World. Not, and this isn't just a Florida thing. It's an everywhere thing. We'll talk more about the Swamp and what they're going to do in college football attendance uh, as we continue on. But it is time for our picks. Chris Reiber will be here. We'll take a break. Rhyme time. Uh, we'll talk a little golf. We'll make our picks. We'll start the Loser Monday season after this. So stay with us. All right, welcome back to the program. Chris Reimer is here. Rhyme time. How you doing, brother? I do. 
weird. I'm doing great. I'm good doing to see great. you, man. Everything good? Everything's wonderful. The, uh, oh, I mean, just what a gorgeous day. This is good. perfect start. This is exactly what this tournament needs. Let's yeah. kick it off. Yeah, there, there's a lot of things I'm going to bring up. Let me tell you what I'm not going to bring up. A lot of yeah. people bring up stuff I would not. Yeah. I would never bring up the fact that the primetime crew was bragging about the fact that they had a new Rhymer hat and we didn't. Oh, I, yeah. Now other people would bring that up. Well, Chris, I'm bigger than that. Other people so, would bring that okay, up, I'm, and you're bigger than I'm that. too big, Chris. But I'm that. smart enough to bring hats for everybody. <laughs> oh, wow. So you just let me know. You how, got about a, how about that shameless way to get you got a, hat, huh? You got a little pea-sized head, Frank. Okay, I got a small okay, medium okay. for you there. How about a little? We've got some snapbacks. I think I'm the, I think I'm the small. We got, new, we got Rhymer hats. CRPR branding all over the place. And by the way, they appreciated their hats so much. They liked it so much they left it. Yeah, how about that? Okay, I mean, they're talking trash, so they got a hat. It's a lot, Josie. Thank exactly. you so See much. if you ever get anything. I love this. I'll wear the heck out of that hat, by the way. So there's that. How you doing? Good to see you. I'm How's doing that? great. Doing great. Uh, isn't it great to see the tournament back? Yeah. Because it's back now, isn't yeah, it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. And it's, um, you know, you look, I was going through the pairings, and it's just like, well, which group am I going to follow? There's just so many good storylines, so many good stars. The, you know, the, the march... Uh, overseed and just the way the course looks and how yeah. green and all the fan areas it's just awesome um, yeah. and everyone's going to be here and, and I can't wait to take it all in yeah we're looking forward to it yeah absolutely what what where do you think the, the winning number comes in at it's a good question I think it, it seems like the wind's going to blow a little more a little more than they expected and that's really the that's really the defense of this golf course is the wind so if it if it gets blowing um, you know it'll probably be in that 8 to 10 under range i think if the wind blows if if not it'll be 13 to 15 probably would be my guess um, which is right where you want it right like you don't want to i'm not a huge fan of the u.s open i'm not a huge fan of seeing the best players in the world unable to keep a you know eight iron on the green like to me if you hit a great shot you should be rewarded and if you hit it a little off you should be there should be some penalties and i think that's this course does a good job of that did you follow anyone around today during the practice round? I didn't. I saw a few of the shots out on 17 up on the big screen, but I didn't, I didn't get a chance to get out there and actually walk and see, you know, how the course was playing. Did you get out there at all? I did not either, yeah. but I heard some intel yeah. from Josie earlier about some bets going on, and so I, yeah. I feel good that you didn't because that means you don't have as much intel. The, yeah, there you go. The, uh, there you um, go. Uh, my, my take <laughs> has always been as a, as a your standard 10, 11 handicap player from 6,000 yards, 14 is by Who hits heart. that 240 in a Pringles can <laughs> off the tee, but just can't putt. <laughs> cannot putt That's the all. standard player. Cannot putt. I hit it straight and can't putt. Greatest all scramble through. partner yeah, of yeah. all time. Uh, I think 14 is by far the hardest hole of the golf course. Now, yeah. eight, 18 plays the hardest, yep. and so 14 always comes in third or fourth. What do you think? I Number five, to me, is just a beast. The number really five, I always feel like I'm hitting into a par five, yeah. but it's interesting because – it, it looks harder than it is because when you get to that approach shot, there isn't as much trouble around the green. You can roll it up there short and be okay. On five? But if you miss right, you're done. Yeah. Um, but I think, to me, it's the it's the five, six, seven, eight stretch okay. where you've got four pretty difficult holes. And then you get to kind of nine, which is a, you know, it's not an easy par, it's five, par five, but it's a par five. Ten, eleven, twelve. At 13 can be scoring holes. They can Correct. get you to 14 really tough, though. It's, right. I think those, those, are the, those are the tough ones. And you're right. Five, six is okay because it's shorter. Yeah. Five and seven are brutal. Yeah. Those are two brutal golf holes. And eight's probably the hardest part three on the course, even yes. though there's no water. Yeah. But it's, a, it's just a longer, yeah. difficult for us. What do you think about uh, – now, we had this talk with you on, by phone yesterday, but w- live, weather, pandemic – 
Um, you know that you're around here all the time. You don't work for the tour anymore, but you're as connected to the tour as anybody. Has everybody exhaled, Chris? Has everybody exhaled it? Okay, we're back to normal. Do you feel that way? I mean, I think live is still a huge topic and a huge, uh, you know, when you go in there and you listen to the press conferences, there's two questions about the players and eight questions about live. Yeah, you're right. And I, so I think that's still just because of the changes the tour is now making, you know, that are somewhat a response to that, the way the players have, have kind of galvanized and gotten together and, and uh, not unionized, but, but close to that and, and become this one voice that's still out there. Um, as far as the players championship goes, you know, it's, I think when, when you actually put a tee in the ground and start playing golf, all of that kind of goes away. Nobody, nobody is going to watch out here and think, oh, where's Brooks or where's Dustin? They're going to watch the leaderboard and they're going to watch the true hero this week, which is 16, 17, 18. When it comes yeah. down on Sunday, it could be Frank and Reimer on 18T and, and there are 17T and everyone's going to tune in to see how bad we mess it up. But right, like right. the course is the star. And so once golf starts, I think that will alleviate some of those other elements. And to me, this is the greatest example of what you're talking about, Chris. It's, it's not so much the live absence. It's the Tiger Woods absence over this decade. Yeah. Because the players is undoubtedly a much bigger event than it was even 10 years ago. Absolutely. And, and when you look at since 2011, Tiger has played this event five times. He won it in 2013. And he's missed it six times. Yep. So he's played it in five, missed it in six Greatest player, arguably, that we've ever seen. Certainly the greatest, I think, Im- impactful player yep. that, the golf, that golf has ever seen. And the tournament has gotten bigger despite that. I think that, I mean, I think that speaks volumes for uh, how far the Players' Championship has come. It's somewhat Tiger-proof now, right? Like, you know, obviously, if, he, if he's here, great. He's the needle, right? right. People are going to go to that, that tee time on the first tee. People are going to go, you're going to get better tuned in numbers. You're going to get better ESPN plus numbers for the, for the streaming, but it's also unlikely he's going to contend at, at this tournament. I think there's others where, you know, maybe he can, he can scrape it around, but I, I think this, this event takes so much of your complete game that it's hard to not be able to practice full and come play. And so, yeah, you, you look at that and then you look at the winners over those events, you know, Tiger Woods in 13, Martin Keimer, Ricky Fowler, Jason Day, Siwoo Webb, Rory, Justin Thomas, and Cameron Smith. Those are all pretty great champions, pretty big names in their own right and all memorable events. And so, you know, it's not, to your point, it's not like Tiger's missed, but, he's, but the tournament is going to be fine without him. If someone outside of the top names wins this, I'm assuming you won't be surprised. It seems like every question Lauren asks me, she's trying to dig I for know, her right? picks. It's right. So you know, the, she, she really the last one, who did you follow yeah. today? And by the way, did you follow she, anyone? She has the second pick. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. So it's not like. Did you follow right. anyone this today? This was not a question about that because <laughs> yeah, clearly. It's clearly I have the second on. pick. I don't, if somebody outside of the top names wins, I don't really care because I'm not going to pick that person. This it, has nothing to do with me. It does always seem like, like when you get to Saturday midday that the leaderboard is full of some random names and then at some point, you know, between – the end of day Saturday and Sunday, a couple of the big names rise. Yeah, who to the was top. the redheaded guy that a couple years ago? <laughs> Roberto was... Castro yes, shot the, thank you. literally shot the course record on <laughs> Thursday and missed the cut. Yes, and missed shot the, the cut. course record with like sixty two eighty two or something like that and missed the cut. I remember it so much or so well because yeah. I think he looks just like Scott Manzi. And I was like, Scott Manzi's <laughs> hitting the golf course. <laughs> like the there you go. Roberto right. Castro mentioned was not expected <laughs> on today's. See, on that's today's what I was show. getting. There you at. go. It had nothing to do with you. Me. Should pick Roberto Castro. That's who you should. He's probably not even in the. He is not. <laughs> I don't think he has a tour card. 
With that said, Sorry, can, can I ask one more yeah, question yeah, yes. real quick before we get started? Chris, who so, are you going to so pick? So I have no, the third <laughs> pick. So who should I take? <laughs> yeah, right. Roberto Castro. <laughs> there you go. All right, so here we go. We start another season of Loser Monday. For people that don't know, this is our fifth? Fourth. Yes, yeah, fifth. fifth season. Your fifth season. Cause, wow. Because uh, Gibby lost I've last year. I've worn the year. hat twice. Hayes won. Hayes won, won, wore it once. Lauren has worn the loser hat twice. Yes. And I just enjoyed saying that. I don't know why I did, Chris. It just, I just. It uh, feels you, good. You enjoy what you enjoy sometimes <laughs> in this world. Feels good. And uh, and so now, and what happens is, uh, Gibby, Lauren, Hayes, and I pick uh, about fifteen events. Uh, we invite uh, Chris to be part of our picks uh, on the golf events. How many times you just once? How many the, times you bought lunch? The, once or twice? I, I bought it twice, and twice. it seems to be the tour championship yeah. where I get the guy who starts at three under. Yeah, we, we, we were talking about this <laughs> between that the guys true. I've already picked right. and the way true. the leaderboard yeah. is. Yeah, we were true. talking about this yesterday. If Reimer doesn't lose the tour championship yeah, right. every year, yeah. he's he's pulled off that's a great exactly escape right. because exactly. that one does not set up well for us. Exactly. All right, so here we go, Gibby. Let's have some uh, pick music if you want. Andrew Gibson wearing the hat. He picks first. Gibby, who do you like to win the 2023 Players' Championship? Well, I'm just trying to get a guy that uh, doesn't miss the cut, so I'm, right. I'm really hopeful of that. I think this new format with eight events yeah. having no cuts is going to help Loser Monday next yeah. year. Or make it really competitive. Right. Um, I'm not going to overthink Loser Monday. I, I never try to do that. This guy is number one in the world for a reason. He's never missed a cut at the Players. I want to take John Rom. I think he's the best player in golf. A well done, Gibby. We now go to Lauren Brooks. I don't know if I've told you this, guys, this or not, but Lauren's worn the hat twice. Lauren Brooks now picks as we start that. another season. And yet I still get made fun of for trying to get intel into the picks. <laughs> I don't get it. I'm, I'm, I have to be a real You got the right idea. It wasn't, it wasn't making fun. It was just, a, it was just an observation. Yeah. Uh, I am taking Justin Thomas. Justin okay. Thomas says Lauren Brooks. I think if there is a guy, like you don't see a lot of just truly consistent guys at this tournament. It does seem like Justin's game – fits well and there aren't a lot of those dudes but like you know 33rd first 35th 11th third yep. like he's got some good okay. connectivity and that takes us to Hayes Carlin might, might not have researched that. Yeah. He, hail, he hails from the bowl school here in Jacksonville yeah it's a uh it can be a wacky event I'm gonna make a wacky pick and hopefully it won't bite me and uh give you make sure you're recording this so you can play it on Monday <laughs> okay. when I buy Dustin yeah. Johnson but uh but I am uh I, I think he wants Paul yeah. Casey he's coming yeah. back for one I, the Ayatollah back from for one event the Ayatollah is back I'm gonna take the last guy to be the wire to wire champion here I'm gonna take Jason Day I like the way he's playing he's showing good form he's healthy from the back injury and I think he was an elite player uh prior to the injury so uh, at 35 years old, I'm saying Jason Day comes back and makes a major statement at the Players' Championship. No, 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 I appreciate you doing that. And you know it's on Bowden Road, the Bonos. How to yes. get there. You know how to get <laughs> there is some interesting okay. stuff about Jason, though, early in the year and changing his swing and not swinging quite as hard and finding more fairways. And I do think that lends itself to this. So it's a it's a interesting pick. I yeah, like it. So, I like know, it. So um, call me nutty. I'll take Scotty Scheffler. How about that? Wow. And uh, call me crazy. I, I live life on the edge. And that takes us to Chris Reimer, a former wide receiver, played opposite Chris Doring on that P.K. Young, the P.K. Young Wildcats. They were fantastic. Uh, <laughs> you like? I was ready to take Hovland. I have him in my other – but you yeah. guys left me Rory McIlroy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, yeah, I think um, if the driver's on, he's great. And, and um, I don't know, it seems like he – Seems like he kind of wants to make a statement. He's been kind of the you know the ambassador of the PGA Tour. He's been the the CEO, if you will, of the players getting together. And um, nothing would be a bigger statement than coming out and winning four point five million dollars in this event. All right. So here's how it looks. First event of the Loser Monday season. Gibby takes John Rahm. Uh, Lauren has Justin Thomas. 
Hayes has Jason Day, the upset pick. I'll take Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy. Surprisingly, still still around at pick five. I'll take it. The way it works is we pick uh, all four majors plus the players plus the tour championship, and you can only take every player one time. And uh, so there you go. Those are our picks um, for players um, for our players championship. Loser Monday. Chris will join us at 4 o'clock the next two days, give or take. Absolutely, give we'll or take. What uh, what morning tea time are you looking at tomorrow? They got Finau, Kim, Cantlay, Morikawa, Adam Scott, Ricky Fowler, Rom, Scheffler, Roy McElroy. That's the one. How about that's that one? Rom, Scheffler. Right? What time Seven, is that? 7.56 off of 10. So you Seven, can just walk right up. 7.56. Right up. out here, 7.56 yeah, a.m. So I'll, uh, I'll be out there uh, heckling them. So <laughs> correct. Three of, three of your <laughs> picks, three are, in that, picks. <laughs> are in that group. All right. Uh, Chris Grace work. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Chris Reimer will be by uh, every day to talk golf with us at 4 o'clock tomorrow. And Friday. Those are our picks. More in a moment. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Welcome back to the Frangie Show, live here from the Players' Championship, Sawgrass Square. Hey, this is where it all happens. That's right. And it's a great, uh, great song to play. Beautiful day by you two because it is a beautiful day out here. It is a beautiful day. And uh, it's going to be a great tournament. And uh, I just hope uh, word does not reach Jason Day that I have picked him right, until right. Saturday. <laughs> Because hopefully one of the other four will have missed the cut by that point. Yeah, absolutely. We are uh, multitasking at the moment. We are talking on air as well as smiling and getting pictures taken. Uh, so that's good. The The Players' Championship is one of literally like just the greatest places to be. Uh, you get to see – I just talked to some good friends of mine. They're out here uh, early watching some practice golf. And certainly uh, we'll be out here all weekend long. What about the picks? I mean, what, what do we think about the picks? Uh, who do you like? Do you think you're who, – who, who do you think is buying lunch? I, but for, let me go start. I think it's you. Yeah, and I get that. I mean, it's – this is the thing. Is, I kind of like – I kind of respect yeah. it, though. Yeah, it's I easy mean, just to pick the top four guys. Yeah, and it, it look, it obviously, you know, I'm probably buying and, and we'll see. But I just – I like the way Jason Day – hey, I like Jason Day. Yeah, I, I, I thought when he was at his peak, he was – he's an, he has an assassin's mentality. And so – I. You know, unfortunately, he went through the back injury and some other family adversity. And so I've been following his story for the last few weeks, and, and he's playing really well. I mean, he's, uh, he's consistently finishing in the top ten. He's yet to win. Um, and obviously, he's won here before. Now, he's won here before in May, and it is a different event. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, so look, I mean, the way I look at it, it's been a while. If uh, if I buy lunch, I buy lunch. Uh, but uh, but yeah, just have a gut feeling about Jason Day that's going to play well. And uh, and again, the big thing with this event is uh, just avoiding the guy that's going to go seventy three seventy three and be uh, you know be leaving Friday afternoon. So we'll see. But it'll probably be Jason Day. I'll probably lose. But uh, you know, sometimes you got to make a gutsy pick. Uh, yeah, I think it's a bold pick, and I like it. I, he was certainly, when I was doing my research, he was certainly amongst the golfers in Rob Bolton's power rankings. Well, uh, that says those, everything. those weren't going to make the show, you were uh, completely crazy. Dead wrong. Uh, you know, the one player, he was still there at fifth uh, for Reimer to take, but Rory McIlroy, he either plays well or he misses the cut. And right. so he is certainly a, more of a volatile player out here. Yeah, Roy had me nervous a little. I, uh, uh, Max Homa was high on my list. Mm-hmm. I, I, when I was... He, Believe it or not, when I when I was down to Scheffler, Rory, and Homa, I wasn't taking Rory. Now I'll say that and he'll win the golf tournament, but I, he was it was Scheffler or Homa for me before Rory for the point you just made, you know. So I mean it was, it was at least for me. 
And that's, again, that's the nature of, of Loser Monday. It's not necessarily, you know, win the tournament. Finish, what do you want to say? Finish third. It's can you, yeah, or in this case, can you get me to four? That's right. Uh, and, and, and so it, it, does, it does change. If this was pick the champion, right. it, it, would, it would probably be, it, well, I mean, it, it certainly would affect, I think, it would have affected my pick. Um, I don't necessarily think Jason Day is going to win the players. Uh, but he'll be in play. But my right. hope is that he puts up a top 15, and yeah. that'll be good enough. So we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a bunch of heavyweights. I think uh, it's going to be, obviously, it's hard to, you know, obviously John Rahm, how could you not pick him first? Uh, Justin Thomas has won here recently. Uh, and, and everybody's like, what's wrong with Justin Thomas? He's finishing in the top 25 of all his events. So it's just not, he's just not playing right. elite golf, but he's playing good golf. He's playing golf that most players would uh, gladly take. And, uh, and, again, he's consistently making cuts. And then, uh, you know, Scheffler is interesting because he, he just doesn't have much of a track record around here. Uh, he's only played six rounds at the players. But – He's just been so great over the past year that you feel like, and, and he's coming off a, a good appearance in, in, uh, at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So you feel like his game's in good shape, and he's been just so incredible over the last year. So uh, it, it, obviously it's hard to find fault in any of the four that you guys chose. Uh, and, again, I, I think Jason Day is coming back. It may not be this week, yeah. but I do think Jason Day is going to have a nice year. I think you're starting to see the seeds of that. And, uh, again, we may have a big laugh about this, uh, you know, Friday afternoon, and that'll be fine. It won't be the first time. But, uh, but I, I do think Jason Day is uh, going to get back to playing really good golf because I think he's an elite talent, and he just had to get healthy, and now he is. I li- I told you my, my, I've told you many times my favorite Jason Day story. We were at the Friday round, and I would always go to Alco Grill with uh, meet my wife and a bunch of friends. And it was one day, and I guess the round must have gone longer than he thought. And it was on, he had played on the, the he had played afternoon on Friday. And I went over there and my wife and we had a, about eight of us over there just waiting, waiting to sit down at the old Rocker Grill before they moved to the, before they renovated the, the Sawgrass Village Center. And I was sitting there just waiting to be seated and walks Jason Day and, uh, in full golf gear, including golf shoes. <laughs> he literally walked in there, red shirt, white pants, white hat, walked in there. He had dinner reservations at Aqua Grill and by God, he wasn't going to be late by taking a dang shower. And yeah. it, was, it was perfect. That's awesome. That's how you know you're a uniform guy. <laughs> you do. still remember I everything he was wearing well, head to toe. But we were because it was it was and he was so and he was nice to everybody. You know, we were all keys. I said, "Still get your gear on." He says, "Yep, do still have still my gear on." And so, uh, but I mean, he walked in there with his gear, went and ate dinner. I, I just I don't know why that, I just love that story. He just walked in there and he well, he was smiling, everybody shaking hands, and went and sat down. So a couple other guys I considered were Cantley and Shoffley. Did y'all think about them? I uh, Cantley, I did. Cantley, I did. I did. Uh, he was he was high on my list. I, uh, but it's, you don't have to go very deep on your list because there's only five guys right. and everybody's still got everybody. You know, it's right? Not, it's like when you when we get fourth or fifth tournament in. Yeah. You know, the list changes. Some right. guys are hurt, playing bad. You've already used three or four guys. And that's the frustrating part about when you do pick a Scheffler or a Rory, and yeah. they lose you the loser Monday, and now you can't use them again. I, I wasn't sure what you – I knew what Gibby would do. He did the same thing I would have done. Gibby, you, Gibby, there's no doubt in your mind. You were going wrong all the way, I take it, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, there was no doubt. I, you know, to yeah. be honest with you, I was actually a little bit considering Rory. But then again, the, what changed for me is obviously, you know, you can't – uh, not pick Rom, but the thing that kind of scared me off a little bit of Rory was his press conference yesterday because he was talking about 
how much time he spent uh, in those meetings. He was talking about like how he spent 11 hours in one meeting and said, maybe one, one of these days I'll, I'll get back on the course and actually be able to focus on my game. And I was like, nope, not doing that. <laughs> I would have taken Rom first. I wasn't sure where Lauren was going to go. She's scarred by Scheffler. So, so I didn't think she was and taking. And he hasn't played that much here. Yeah, correct. And I, and I didn't think you were taking Scheffler. I didn't know if you'd go Rory or not. So I thought it might, I probably would have predicted you to go Rory. I probably would have then predicted Hayes to go Scheffler, so which surprised me. So I thought I really thought that Rom, Rory, and Scheffler were going to be off the board when I picked. I was pretty certain of that. So I, so then I was trying, so then I think Homa was going to be my pick. Well, then when she, then when Rory, Scheffler, and Homa were all there, I had to make a little adjustment because I was pretty sure those guys would be there. But this thing is so much fun. This event's fun. The day is fun. The weather is awesome. I'm proud that it's here. By the way, I, I said this many times about our great city. Uh, I love everything we have, but we don't have as many major events as some cities do or major stuff. You know, we don't. And so, you know, Jaguars 1, Florida Georgia 2, this is right there. Or some people may say Jaguars 1, this 2, Florida Georgia 3. But whatever, however you rank them, home Jaguar games, that Florida Georgia game, in these four days, if you're a sports fan, that's the crown jewels of the first coast. And, And by a wide margin, and so we only get these four days, four of the 365. So it's, it's really, for that reason, it's, it's, we get geeked up for it. Absolutely. I mean, I, I cannot wait until tomorrow uh, when competitive play begins. And, uh, again, it's been great being out here for the two practice rounds. And, I mean, again, beautiful weather. Uh, it's just everywhere you look, it's just so gorgeous out here. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 think it's, I think we're in for a spectacular tournament. I, I think that – you are going to see these stars. You know, it's, it's, it's like any players. There will be guys that we're talking about Friday afternoon that were shocked, you know, are not going to be around for the weekend. Uh, but for the most part, I think by the time we get to Sunday, it is going to be a fantastic leaderboard with tons of great drama and uh, some already established legacies getting even strengthened uh, by hoisting the 2023 Players' Championship. In Florida, Georgia, Frank, when they show scenes of the city, it's mm-hmm. the same scenes that they show for Jaguars games. Yeah, you're right. But the Players' Championship shows off a whole nother uh, aspect of our city in the first coast. Yeah, it's a different world. You're right about it. That's a good call. That's good. It's, it's, it's different. It's not football. That, that's, that's the And point. it's not downtown. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, it, no, it is. And, it, and, it's a, and it's great to be out here, and the weather's great, and the golf's great. And, and, I, and, I, and I'll say the last thing I'll say because we're going to get back to football in the final hour of this program. But I will say – I don't. I do believe the normalcy has returned. Chris Reimer's right. There's still a lot of conversation and talk about Live, but Live did not damage this tournament one bit. It didn't. It did. would it be better if the returning champion was here? Well, defending champions here. Well, of course it would. We all know that. But it did not damage the way it feels. It did not. I was. I walked all around the golf course today again. This is as much as I've ever walked around the golf course on a Wednesday. Just it just turned out that way, and I promise you. I saw the people out there, Lauren, and they're not worried about who's not here. There's nobody out there worried about it. There's no, I don't sense anybody's out there worried about who's not here. No, I think if you were to go in some of the chalets uh, or other areas and say who won last year's players, because his picture's not splashed up everywhere, I think a lot of people wouldn't remember. That's a very good point. Because not, again, you have to be a golf fan to know. You wouldn't have to be a golf fan to remember Mickelson won the year he won. You'd have to be a golf fan to remember this. Yeah, because, I mean, really, he, Cam Smith was – not an unknown, but he, he still was sort of an up-and-coming player when he won here. Then, obviously, he won the British Open and became a, a legitimate, 
you know, star, uh, you know, and, and then he left. And unfortunately, that star now goes away because you're playing on a tour that no one pays attention to. Um, but uh, what, what was interesting, this is sort of switching gears a little bit, but in, ter- in ta- talking about Cam Smith and winning it last year, what was really interesting, Brandel Chambly last night on Golf Channel did a brilliant job of going through all the different styles in which players have won this event. Uh, we always think it's the straight hitter, uh, lots of greens in regulation, is going to get it done. And obviously it's, it plays to that uh, a lot of years. But like Cam Smith was a great outlier. He was the worst in the field last year in driving accuracy, which is usually – I mean, you have death, no chance. Death out here. But he made everything on the green. I mean, his right, putting right. was incredible. The, the year Sergio won it, uh, he was terrible with the putter, uh, but made up for it by how well he was off the tee and, and how well his approaches were. So it is interesting to see the different ways in which when Jason Day won it, he was the longest driver that week. Uh, his driving distance was like 316 yards. The year Webb Simpson won it, he was last in the field and driving distance. So it really enforced just – you just have no idea. Right. You have no idea until we get into this how it's going to go. It's one of the most unpredictable tournaments uh, in, in really sporting events that we have. But I think the, the beauty of it is by the time we get to Sunday, I think the best players in the world are, are a, a good portion of them will be competing because it, it is – I just think it's so hard to win this uh, now if, if, unless you are just one of the greats. And the beauty is it's about 14 hours away from starting. That's Let's what go. Do. We're right around the corner. We're excited about that. We'll take a break. When we come back, want to relook at the revisit uh, the Calvin Ridley letter today in Players' Tribune. So real, so honest. Um, golly, it was such a good read. By now, my guess is you've read it. If not, we'll take you through it. We'll talk some Jags. We'll talk some college basketball and a whole lot more. One hour to go in the program live for the players on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. First of all, a year away from the NFL puts a lot of things in perspective for for a young man like me. But um, a year away from the game um, and coming back now is just, it shows me I miss the game more than ever and that I love football more than ever and football was something that I do and love and will always be what I love. You just heard the comments of Jaguars wide receiver Calvin Ridley in his sit down with Bucky Brooks. Frank Calvin Ridley wrote a terrific piece in the Players Tribune and it detailed his childhood and how difficult that was. It detailed the anxiety that he's been dealing with and and what led to gambling. And you just heard him say he is so incredibly excited about football and the kind of rebirth that it will give him. Yeah, and I'm glad uh, we have those comments. Uh, Jaguars.com and Bucky Brooks did the interview. Um, Look, uh, I mean, I was was blown away by the letter, how much, Hayes, how much detail there was in it, how many specifics there were in it, the, the, the specific detail about I mean, I've been, when he was a child, when his parents had to go away and his five-year-old little brother um, screaming, where's mama, 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 and, and, and he was the eight-year-old that had to calm everybody down. I can't imagine that. I think that stood out. And the fact that he detailed the gambling. He said, listen, here's what I did. I was at a dark place. I was hurt. Um, I bet on an NBA game. And then I placed one bet. He talked to me. It, was like, it wasn't a whole lot of money. Just a, I bet on the Falcons because I wanted to bet on my boys. It was stupid. It was. I'll never do it again. But 
it wasn't like he's part of some big gambling ring. You know, this wasn't a circuit or a syndicate. It was he did something very – I believe everything he said. I don't think he would have gone into that detail. And I'm a big believer – I've said this before. I've said, I said this when the Marcus Stokes thing happened. I wish, Mark, I, I, wish, I wish somebody would coach young Marcus Stokes from Nice to have come out and said, listen – to, to whether a college player or a high school player doesn't have the, 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 the advantage of a, of a player's tribune, right? But it would have come out and said, um, listen, I'm not a racist. I, I like, I like uh, hip-hop music, and I was singing along with the song, but that's, the, please don't think that's who I am. Well, Calvin Ketta did that. He said, listen, I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not a despicable gambler. I'm not somebody who tries to break the rules. I did something dumb. Here's why I did it. I was betting on my boys. I wasn't even thinking. It'll never happen again. I think when people come out and tell the truth, they gain a lot of credibility, and he did with me. It's the, it's the best one of these I've ever read on the Players' Tribune. So compliments to, to Calvin and uh, anyone that was associated with, with helping him uh, pen this uh, because he gives you so much adversity – but it's written in an upbeat way, if that makes sense. Like, there's no sense of feel sorry for me. There's no sense of, uh, you know, boy, I've, I've, I've really been a victim here. There's accountability. Uh, and and the, it keeps radiating the excitement that he has uh, for this new chapter in his life. And, and again, uh, to, to be at a game in Atlanta – uh, and to have your home get robbed, and then you look at your security footage and you see that you know five armed men were the ones that did it, and just by the grace of God, your child and, and wife you know, weren't at home, uh, you, know, you can see how that would add to somebody's anxiety level. You can see how playing through what ended up being a broken foot, and I commend Calvin Ridley because he really didn't want to criticize the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, but it's pretty clear that they convinced him to play through a broken foot right. and get pain-killing shots before every game, and it was killing him. Uh, and he was doing it because he understood the responsibility that he had is, is Atlanta's number one receiver that year. And, uh, uh, and his numbers were good. But it's just it's amazing to me uh, having to go through that. So the injury, everything uh, that he's gone through, but then you get to the part where he talks about the excitement, where he is now, his athletic numbers in terms of his speed are outstanding, and he makes no bones about it. I mean, he says with Trevor Lawrence, 1,400 receiving yards is, uh, is what I'm shooting for this season. He doesn't need to do that. But if he gives the Jaguars fourteen hundred yards receiving, they are going to have a special offense. I loved when he talked about growing up in the apartments and he'd round up everybody to go play football. And he said, "Maybe that's how I got so fast." Because if you wanted to catch the football in that right. chaos, you had to be fast. Like fifteen on fifteen and right. big old game. Yeah, absolutely. Thirty kids out there. I think Calvin Ridley shed a, a huge light on what he's been going through. And I, I love that he was really honest about how much it hurt to have 
you know, his family see his name go through the mud. But I think it's all giving him, not to be cliche, but I think it's all, it's given him that chip on the shoulder that now that he has the opportunity to get back on the field, he has so much to prove. And I think he's, he's come through that dark place. And, and I certainly am so glad that he shared that because look, there are a lot of people who, it's not the exact same story, but who go through that and they're afraid to talk to a therapist. And I'm so glad that he was bold enough to put all of that into a very eloquent letter. And I want to say that I said this at the in the three o'clock hour let me say it again now the beauty of his it's great that he says mark this down i'm gonna i'm gonna with me if i'm healthy with trevor lawrence jaguar fans are gonna get 1400 yards that's a huge year and martin and, and that's phenomenal that he's that excited here's the beauty of this he's not here to necessarily get 1400 yards that would be awesome he's not they're not bringing him in here to be the number one if he becomes the number one that's great they're bringing him in here to be on an, on an in, part of an engine that's already running really well. It's not like, wow, this team's got a broken passing game, and he's coming here to salvage it, to, to rescue it. He's not coming to rescue the Jaguar passing game. He's coming to be one more very important cog. Now, he might be the most talented one of the group, but that's not the point. The point is here, he's got a great wide receiver room. He's got a great quarterback, a great play caller, a, a phenomenal culture. I want you to hear, in our next segment, you're going to hear some of his comments because uh, I want you to hear what he had to say about all of this. But, but the point is, he's, he's not coming here to be the star. If he is the star, that's great. But he's coming here now to, a, to, a, to, to an engine that's already running really well. He's going to enhance a really good machine, not save a struggling machine. I think that matters, but particularly because of everything he's gone through. The last thing he needs is, all that pressure on him all over again. Julio's gone. I've now got to be the number one guy. What if it goes wrong? Well, that's not the circumstance here, and I'm glad it's not. And in two weeks, he's thrown with Trevor Lawrence. They had right. a FaceTime session today that the Jaguars uh, put out there. It's, it's, it's great to see the two of them interacting. Uh, it was great to see Calvin Ridley uh, get his locker today. Uh, it looks like he's going to be right uh, in that Zay Jones, uh, um, Christian Kirk, uh, Marvin Jones kind of area, so it'll be interesting to see if that changes before uh, training camp. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, look, it's it, two weeks from today. Uh, Calvin and, and Trevor will start building that rapport, and uh, that is about a month before the voluntary portion begins. And uh, it was exciting to see Trevor throw that out there and Calvin say, yep, I'm going to be back two weeks, I'm going to be back. And uh, they've got a lot of time now to be ready for mid-September when uh, the regular season opens. Have we seen Doug Peterson smile as big as he did today well, he, in, in greeting Calvin he, he was a, Yeah, no, he was, he was, he's been a happy guy. He was a happy guy at the combine. <laughs> he should be. He earned that. There's no question about Absolutely. it. I want you to hear some of the comments. Now, you've heard a few of them uh, in an update and coming back from the break, but I want, you to hear the, the, I want you to hear Calvin's comments. Again, Bucky Brooks did the interview and does his terrific, normal, terrific job, but I'm going to go through some of these comments. The next one is, what was the hardest – if you're Calvin Ridley – what was the hardest part of not playing football? I happened to watch it at home and knowing I really can't, there's nothing I can do to get back into the game until I get approval, you know? So that, you know, being again, the game being taken away from me, and I was just like, man, I can't even, I, I can't sit home all day. You know, I need a job. I mean, what I do is I always work every day. Football was my job for most of my life. So that was the hardest part, just not being able to run and you know, be a part of a team and, you know, feel important at that moment. So it was hard. Comments of Calvin Ridley. Bucky also asked him, what did he miss most while being out? Just getting up, the preparation to prepare. I mean, working out. I mean, having a reason to work out and preparing, working out for Sunday. 
Um, getting up, driving my car to work early in the morning. I miss every bit of it. I mean, I, I miss every every second of you know what I did to prepare for Sundays. And now that that missing's over, what's it going to be like to play again? It's going to be amazing uh, for my mom, for my family, for me. It's just going to be a weight off my shoulders because I waited so long to get back to this point and just you know I'm be excited to run through that tunnel and you know show every, every Jacksonville Jaguar fan and who I am. Jags have a great receiving room. Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones Jr. was there this past year. Um, Bucky asked Calvin Ridley what conversations he's had with those Jags wide receivers. I talked to a couple of them. It, you know, it's been just, you know, really, you know, welcoming. Just, you know, we're happy to have you, kind of. We haven't really got into the ball or nothing like that, but, you know, happy to have you. You know, I know where they know where they're going and that I'm going to be a part of that, and it only could just be, you know, a little better, you know. So it's been really just welcoming, honestly. And what does Calvin Ridley think about quarterback Trevor Lawrence? Uh, his ability. Um, he's a great quarterback, young, smart, got an arm. I'm, I just know that my tools, you know, <laughs> coming to play with him, I could just see, you know, us doing, you know, really, really, really big things. And, you know, he has the, the arm strength to reach me, and, and I can get open on a lot of different guys. And we have a lot of, you know, teammates that can help, but. I just think he is a, a, a great talent, the arm strength, and me and my ability with that, I think it can, it can really work out good. And finally, it's well known that Doug Peterson is not only a really good head coach and a really good leader, but a fantastic play caller. Bucky asked Calvin Ridley what he's looking forward to most uh, while playing under Doug Peterson. Yeah, um, winning. Uh, like I went to Alabama, I was a part of a winning culture there. You know, I know Atlanta's a winning culture too, but we, didn't, we had a rough a rough couple of years, but I know Coach Doug has the formula to win, and you know I want to be a part of that, and that's what you know it's, that's what it's about. That's why we work hard to win those games and be in those important games. I want to be in important games, so I want to. I think Coach Doug and Trevor and the whole Jacksonville organization is going that direction. I, I want to be a part of that, man. The comments of Calvin Ridley, great job by Bucky Brooks getting all that, and, and Gibby, great job of getting that prepared for us so we could get it on the show today right afterwards. Great work, bro. Um, hey, Hayes, this guy's ready to This guy's very excited. We had, we had this conversation yesterday, even before we heard from him. It's not just a guy, and, I, and I'll reiterate what I said, it's not just a guy that's going to play. It's a guy that realizes what he was missing. And before we heard any of these comments, before we read the Players' Tribune letter, we had that conversation yesterday that you know this guy can't wait to do this, man. He's, he, 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 he now knows. He now knows this is his second lease on professional football life. And it doesn't sound like he's – it sounds cliche, I know, but he's not going to let it pass him by. And, and every analyst that we've spoken to about Calvin Ridley or that has addressed Calvin Ridley's uh, you know, talents, uh, Scott Pioli was the latest to do it today. Uh, I mean, how could you not be excited? Everybody talks about this guy – like he's one of the best route runners in the NFL today and that his ability to get separation is incredible. Bucky obviously talked to us uh, about that last week in Indianapolis at the Combine. Greg Cosell went into great detail about it. Uh, Pete's talked about it. I, I mean, his ability to run routes is special, and his ability to get separation is special. Uh, the fact that he has scored as many touchdowns as he has scored in his career not being – a physical marvel speaks to how difficult he is to cover. And uh, I, I think when you add him to this puzzle, if, if they're healthy, I mean, there's no way it's not going to be a better offense than it was last year when they were 
top 10 in pretty much every major statistical category. Yeah, I don't think Calvin puts out a figure like 1,400 yards unless he is supremely confident in himself. He might put out, you know, I, I want at least 1,000 yards this season. I know I've been away from the game, and, and let's build towards that. But he put up a big figure at 1,400 yards. And he is a confident guy, and he should be. We'll take a break. When we come back, um, before we have news and what's at the bottom of the hour. But before that, I want to delve back into real quickly the Lamar Jackson thing. We, we touched on it yesterday. There's been a lot of feedback from members of the media, former players, um, almost astounded that nobody is, is, is making a run at Lamar Jackson now that he's technically a free agent. We'll talk about that. It's after this. Stay with us. To me, Lamar Jackson should be in a position where $200 million guaranteed. That's what the Baltimore Ravens should come to the table with based on what the market bears, and we should be able to call it a day. The fact that they're using this non-exclusive tag tells me they're nowhere near that which is obviously insulting to Lamar Jackson, which is why I believe this is a mistake. The comments of uh, Stephen, Stephen F. Smith, Stephen A. Smith, um, about, <coughs> excuse me, about the uh, Lamar Jackson uh, circumstance. Are you surprised there's been so much pushback in the media and even from former players about accusations of collusion and accusations of of not treating Lamar fairly? I don't understand why so many teams rush to say they weren't interested. So I think it, it certainly created that uh, – it created the, the ability to, to make that inference that, that there's collusion going on. I, I don't think that that's it. And I think ultimately there'll be some uh, – there'll be a, a market for Lamar Jackson. Uh, I, I don't think it'll be enough that the Ravens won't match it. But – I think it's tough because you're you're digesting all of this. You with Lamar Jackson, you've got to you've got to ask yourself a lot of questions. A, are you ready to win now? A lot of the clubs that were saying no really aren't ready to win now, in my opinion. So I can I can understand it. If I mean Lamar Jackson's a great player, but if you're not ready to win for three years, where is he going to be in three years? You you just don't know that because of the style in which he plays. Um, so you look at that, you look at, are you willing to give up two first round picks, which is substantial? Um, so you, you, you've got to look at that. And then the other part of this that I think, uh, a lot of people don't understand it's hard as a franchise to make an offer to Lamar Jackson to get him to sign when all it's going to take is the Ravens saying, okay, we'll do that. We'll match that. He's a Raven. Yeah. And this is his new contract. It, you're, you have, you're having to go through a lot of work. My, basically what I'm saying is I think a lot of these clubs realize, you, and you can't poison pill contracts anymore like you could 15 years ago where you could, you could look at the team that you're bidding against, in this, te- in this case Baltimore, and structure the contract to which it'd be very difficult for Baltimore to ma- – they don't allow you to do that anymore. So it's – I think part of it is – a, they're going to match whatever we offer, so why would we spend a lot of time on this? Do we want to give up the two first-round picks in case they don't? And are we in a position where we're going to be able to utilize Lamar Jackson to really go win something of, of substance? And I, I think that greatly limits the amount of teams that are, that are going to be viable for him. I will say you would think that teams – 
would have waited a couple days before putting out the fact that they aren't interested in him. It's, it was how quickly that multiple teams did that I think led everyone to the thinking about collusion. I don't really think it's collusion, but it is, it is a surprising thing that normally doesn't happen. Yeah, first of all, here's why it's not collusion. Collusion is done to keep a market down. Well, the market's blown past this anyway. So it's not – I mean, Kyler Murray's getting $46 million a year. There, who, knows, who knows where the next wave, Trevor Lawrence included, among them is going to go. So the, the market's blown out of the water anyway. So collusion is when a bunch of owners get together to keep a market from exploding. Well, that, that, that ship has sailed, so it's not collusion. <clears throat> Beyond that, I think, Hayes, you hit it. I think the fact that he may not be yours anyway, it's not like this is a free agent – May the best, the best offer wins. The best offer might just get the Ravens to know where the market is. And so I, I think that, that works against him too. The other thing is this. I, I've, I can tell you as a, as a fan of the Jaguars, if the Jaguars didn't have Trevor Lawrence and, and, and we're in a quarterback situation, I'd love to have Lamar Jackson. I think he's a fantastic player. But they got a quarterback. You know, I can, I can tell you in my old days rooting for the Steelers, if I was rooting for the Steelers again, I'd like to see them go get him because I don't think I think Kenny Pickett's average. I'd love to see him go. I don't care what, what draft pick they used on him. But as I so as a fan, I like the guy. I like him as a player, and I'd like him to be on my team. But my team has a quarterback who's going to be generational and is going to be here for ten years. I don't fault teams for not having the same evaluation that I do. I think that's what surprised me the most is not as much. I'm a little surprised that there doesn't seem to be a lot of interest. But I think you hit it, Hayes. You don't. You don't. You can't show a lot of interest in a guy you may not be able to have, right? I think, I think that's a big part of this. And I'm surprised there's been so much, um, so much angst and anger from others, either media members or former players, at the league for not, interest, not being interested. Uh, that rarely happens. It rarely happens when people around the league are criticized for not being interested in a free agent in any sport. I mean, I mean you get more criticized for overpaying – than you do for not being interested. That is just a weird paradigm. And, and it's such a public courtship that if you, if you agree to a deal with Lamar Jackson that ultimately the Ravens match, what message have you sent? Well, you've sent a message to whoever your starter is. Correct. That, I mean, you obviously don't have much confidence in him. Uh, and, and, again, clubs just don't want to do that. Yeah, you know, and, and it, that's, it, so that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Lauren, to your point, and Hayes, your point, why teams are so fast to say they're not interested – Hey, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's a great point. They want to send a message to their guy that they like their guy. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think all the, the variables in this, uh, it's, it's, it, to me, it's not surprising. If, if he was a free agent uh, that, you know, was without any restrictions, uh, I think it would be much different because he's an electric player. Um, I, I think with, with everything that's tied up in this, it's why we don't see this happen all that often. Um, you know, I, I think that it's it's just it's a unique case, and I think he's going to be back in Baltimore. I think everybody realizes that. Why take the time and effort, and with it being so public, to to pursue him when ultimately you know all it's going to. I mean, the Jaguars sort of went through this with Alex Mack many years ago. Uh, this Cleveland center at the time, he was in the prime of his career, and the Jaguars were interested, and they reached an offer with Alex Mack that Cleveland took about <laughs> six minutes to say, we'll match that. Right. Alex Mack's a Brown. Uh, that was a much smaller scale than, than Lamar Jackson, but it's the same thing. 
and that's what's going to happen here. So, I, again, I I, th- I think the complaints are, it, you know, I, I think players maybe don't understand all the inner workings a lot of times, and they just look at it, it, it you know, it's face value. Oh, teams aren't interested in Lamar Jackson. Well, it's not that. It's not the teams aren't interested in Lamar Jackson. It's the tentacles of this thing, this situation, that complicates it. Which is why some people believed that the Ravens should have put the non-exclusive tag on him. Or the exclusive tag. They put the non-exclusive. They should have put the exclusive tag. And then that way, none of these conversations are even happening. What would that have been? $45 million? Yeah, but in the Ravens' case, it may end up saving them $13 million. Right. If no one right. really offers him anything, right. so then he plays for 32 and they've was, saved $13 million. What was their offer? What was the best offer? It, I mean, it, it's bounced. It's, it's hard to know, I mean, exactly what he has been offered. Right. But, uh, but Baltimore uh, has suggested that he has been offered something that uh, is, is in the ballpark of Deshaun Watson, uh, but obviously isn't fully guaranteed. Right. So I don't think he's been lowballed. I just think that Lamar Jackson looked at Deshaun Watson's contract and said, I'm better than Deshaun Watson. I've won an MVP. He hasn't. I have a much better record as a starting quarterback than Deshaun Watson, and I should get more than Deshaun Watson, and it should be fully guaranteed. And I just don't think Baltimore was willing to do that because he's missed so many and big, big games in, in the last two seasons, it, in December and January. Yeah, he's been a hurt guy. And I think the other part about the other part reason why people have been critical too is because of the deadline yesterday, everything it came out about the same time that Daniel Jones Forty million dollar salary times four came out, and I think Daniel. There, there is a comp there. They play the same way. They both run for a bunch of yards. They both run as much as they pass. They they both throw fewer touchdowns but run for some touchdowns. And Lamar's better. And so if Lamar's better, which he is, and they play the same way, a lot of people think, why did the guy that plays the same way, who's not as good, get a a four year deal? And that and Lamar did because they didn't request it to be or require it Correct. to be all guaranteed. I'll, I'll give you an analogy that would be more Jaguar centric for this, and and where I think the miscommunication is coming in with the players. This would be like the Jaguars saying, "We're not going to trade up to get Will Anderson." Well, it's not. They're not saying they're not interested in Will Anderson. That's not what they're saying. Will Anderson's a great player. He'd be fantastic in Jacksonville. What they're saying is, and there's even more with Lamar, but to go get Will Anderson, you're giving up your 24th pick, probably your second-round pick this year, probably your third-round pick this year, and absolutely your 2024 first-rounder, if not your 25 first-rounder as well. Well, no one is going to do that. Right. So – but to say, well, that means the Jaguars aren't interested in Will Anderson. Right. That's well, right. that's, not, that's, that's not right. It's just they're not interested in the cost of what it would be yeah. to acquire Will Anderson. Yeah, the, that's a great point. The opposing general manager can say, we love Lamar Jackson, but you're asking me to spend two first-round draft picks on a guy who's had, a, who's had an end-of-the-season injury history. I'm not willing to do that. And that's, I, I hear you. So and you, if I'm the Ravens, I'm saying yeah. also to Lamar, the Browns were fleeced, basically, by that Deshaun Watson yeah. deal, at least so far. Like, he's not worth that. And so, therefore, just because that happened does not mean that we are going to make that mistake. We'll take a break. One segment to go. Lauren will wrap the program in news and notes. Stay with us. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. 
One segment to go here on the Fringe Show, live from the players at Sawgrass Square. Tournament action begins tomorrow morning. Gates open at 6.45, bright and early. We've got $15 to the Goat Tapas Bar. They are out here at the players. So if you want to win that gift card right now, be caller number 4641010. Caller number 4641010, and you get $15 to the Goat Tapas Bar. Looking forward to, we have a, a little 1010XL lunch out here tomorrow uh, at the Taste of Jack's. Looking forward to trying out some of the new places. This place has tons of great food. We talk so much about the golf, but so many great food options, uh, beverage options as well. All right, just a reminder for the players' picks. Andrew Gibson for Loser Monday has John Rahm. I have Justin Thomas. Frank has Jason, no, Hayes has Jason Day. Scotty Scheffler is Frank's selection. And Reimer has Rory McIlroy. Nervous or excited, Hayes Carline? I'm excited. I mean, it's uh, it's here. I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, I uh, I lost this event last year with Patrick Cantlay, so I'm used to it. If it uh, if Jason Day can't get it done for me, but I have full confidence. And I'm very excited to see Jason Day as he starts this career resurgence. Uh, I just hope it, uh, hope it continues this week. But, yeah, I, very excited. I think I got a great pick. I think I'm smarter than all y'all. I think I'm the man. And because I said that, Scotty Sheffler is about to come in at 8 over tomorrow. I think he's going to shoot 80, okay? And I'll be explaining the 80 is what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. See, here's the difference between Hayes and I, who have lost a lot of the golf events, and you and Gibby. Y'all don't even remember, like, which events in golf no. you've lost or which golfers have screwed you over. Uh, we have serious pain and scar tissue from our golf issues. I, I love it most when I don't lose in golf. Because every time we pick, I got no freaking idea. You know, <laughs> at least we pick the other stuff I think I know what I'm talking about. Right? I may not, but at least I think I do. I got no idea in the golf. That's why I love it when I don't have to, when a guy with no idea doesn't, doesn't have to buy. That's, that's my take. I like it. <laughs> All right. Uh, big news in the world of college basketball. Frank, Jim Beheim announced his retirement as head coach of Syracuse after 47 years, and Adrian Autry will be the new Orangeman head coach. Yeah, I hated the way it ended for Beheim because he came off as kind of curmudgeonly and – Made some comments he shouldn't have, and it was probably it was probably too long. But but I hope that that smear was a great career. I mean, what a what a great college basketball coach and a great college basketball career. I mean, what what an amazing career to to stand the test of time the way that son of a gun did. And, and he one one of the I don't know Hayes, ten greatest college basketball coaches of all time. Oh, I think at least that right? well into that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that uh, Bayheim is really the last because uh, I don't. You know, I don't consider Tom Izzo in in that in in terms of the generation, but I I mean, Beheim has really been the Syracuse coach my entire life. Yeah. So you know, to see you know, at first it was you know Dean Smith and uh, then Shashevsky and uh, you know, to see these these guys, these icons that you know that are walking away, and that's that's been that's been the identity of that program for so long, and and that's Beheim at Syracuse and. They've had great players, Carmelo Anthony, they, you know, Derek Coleman. I mean, they, you know, he goes back to those those Big East days uh, that were just unbelievable. Ronnie cycling. I mean, right yeah, now. it's just, but uh, you know, but just just a, an unbelievable career. And I agree, it probably probably a couple years too long, but uh, I, I absolutely think Jim Beheim is, you know, well into the top ten in terms of best college basketball coaches that we've ever seen. I suppose it's possible, but I would predict that we'll never again see a coach last 47 years Can't in any Can't imagine, sport. right? Can't imagine. Yeah, I mean, you'd have yeah. to get the job uh, you know, fairly yeah. young and, yeah. and be able to withstand so many different things. And successful people, it's a great call, Lauren, because successful people now in those industries get offered so much that they try the next thing, whether it's the NBA, whether it's whatever. So now Coach K didn't, 
and Bob Knight didn't, but uh, but even they didn't last those kind of years. In college baseball, number six Florida improved to eleven and three last night after defeating FAU. Frank, eighteen to eleven. Yeah, another pitcher's duel. <laughs> uh, the, uh, FAU had a guy hit three home runs. Okay. One guy hit three. Now, he's, he's the top 50 prospect, so he's a great player, I don't know, whatever his name is. I think Jack Caglione has hit three in a game yeah, to yeah. this point in the season. But he, had, but he had three home runs, some dude from FAU, 18 to 11. Uh, Florida had a guy hit one 430, 430 feet, exit below 106 that I had essentially never heard of. <laughs> the, uh, they're juicing something, Hayes. I, I'm serious. I, I don't know if it's the balls, the bats, the, the muscles, but it, you can't all of a sudden score like – everyone scoring like this. I mean, would there be any organic explanation for it? Is this the generation of launch angle that's finally all if we, that yeah. this is well, they've been just doing this their whole lives, yeah, and yeah, so I, because of that, I'm not smart enough to. That's a good question. I'm not smart enough to know. It just seems to me we went from normal to this in one year. Now maybe yeah. I'm wrong, uh, but it just seems to me. I mean, what Ju and UNF are bombing them left and right. Everybody's hitting them now. I say that. JU and Miami have a close, low-scoring game going. Yeah, right now JU is beating Miami two to nothing. But it just seems like to me, I mean, the game was eighteen to eleven last night, and nobody was surprised. It was eighteen to eleven, and and, and they play again tonight. By the way, who knows where it's going to be tonight? Yeah, who knows? Uh, that is a good call. And then UNF lost to UCF ten to three last night. Uh, UNF plays host to Fairfield for a three-game series this weekend. First pitch is Friday at six o five, and number twenty-one FSU beat Bethune Cookman ten to one. So again, two more games with yeah. with runs in the, in the double so digits. And UNF yeah, ahead, hit a bunch more last night. They I think they hit three more last night. Lodi's hit another one. Uh, one of UNF got UNF's guys that used to play for UCF. I think he went yard twice against his former team. So yeah, they're flying out. That they are. When it comes to back to college basketball, we've got the SEC tournament. It begins tonight with Ole Miss, South Carolina at 6 p.m., then LSU, Georgia, 25 minutes after the conclusion of that first game. And then, of course, Florida faces Mississippi State tomorrow at 1 o'clock in the second round of the tournament. I'm such a bad college basketball fan. Uh, when my team's good, I can't wait. When they're not, I do get excited about the tournament, but I'm, I'm a really bad college basketball fan. I, I wanted to be locked into Duke, Carolina last week and the the, the when Kansas played Kentucky in the Big 12 SEC thing, and I'm not a very good fan. I, uh, Florida's not very good, um, so it's kept me from being as excited as I should be. Shame on me. That's just, but I'm being honest. I'm yeah. the same way. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, and, and with the Players' Championship being this week, I'm not going to watch a lot of conference tournament basketball. Um, you know, as, as much as I really need to brush up on uh, the NCAA tournament before we – make our picks uh, really about a week from today, I guess we'll be filling out brackets for our next loser Monday, but I, uh, it's just, I just can't, I can't do it. I mean, if, if the players championship wasn't this week, I'd probably pay a lot of attention to college basketball this week, but I, I'm just not going to, I'm going to be wrapped up in this and, uh, and love it. In the world of the NFL, the Texans claimed former Jaguars third string quarterback, EJ Perry off of waivers. You know, it's, it's, I mean, I don't know that E.J. Perry's ever going to be an NFL quarterback. But it is interesting. The Jags really liked him. And when they moved on from him, the Texans picked him up quickly. So, if nothing else but a camp arm or a third-string guy, somebody must see. Seriously, somebody must see something. Yeah, I think so. And if you're the Jags, you've got Trevor Bethard and then the CFL star. Right. Uh, so, they've got three. Uh, and there'll be a camp arm. Yeah, they'll probably sign uh, an undrafted free agent, yeah. something like that. Uh, to come in and be the fourth, yeah. um, but uh, Nathan Rourke. 
Yeah, yeah that's so, the CFL guy, right? Yeah, so it'll be uh, be interesting. Good luck, uh, good luck, Houston. Did you see the odds, the latest odds for which team will pick number one overall in the NFL draft? Which team will pick first? Yes, the latest odds. I'm gonna predict. I'm gonna predict Colts. Did they win the odds? Hayes. I would say I'll go Texans. It is shockingly the reason I'm asking the Panthers. Well, people think they're going all the way up. So from moving from 9 to 1 when you've got the two other teams that are sitting at 2 and 4 that could much more easily get to number 1, I'm, I'm very surprised by the Panthers. But if that's the case, they obviously are in love with one of these quarterbacks. Of course, the question then being, which quarterback do they love? And, and, there, and there, would be stra- there would be stranger things happening than Richardson going all the way up to 1. I, I've heard enough people say that that might happen. Um, my guess is whoever picks 1, I, think, I still think it's going to take C.J. Stroud. Hayes, I think you think Bryce Young, whoever picks one. Correct. You think Bryce Young? Mm-hmm. I think Bryce Young's the best quarterback in the draft, but I think he's riskier. I think C.J. Stroud is the safest quarterback in the draft. I can understand that. Uh, finally, you guys may have talked about this yesterday during the Riley Green concert, but Aaron Rodgers has had conversations with the Jets regarding yeah. a possible trade. Yeah, yeah, that was, we talked just a little bit about that. I, that story needs to come to some closure, doesn't it? I'm, I'm now tired of the Aaron yeah, Rodgers. Well, and tar- you're running out of real estate. Yeah, right. Well, that too, that too, yeah. But the, the, dark, the dark room, I, I'm, I'm good now. I got the dark room, I got the light room, <laughs> I got the medium room. I've had enough rooms. I, I'm, I'm kind of over the Aaron Rodgers room thing i just pick a team and let's go I, yeah i do get the sense that it seems like green bay's not that all that interested in keeping him i think they're ready to play jordan love i think they're trying to figure out what they can get i i, I get do you get that same impression that green i do Bay's ready to move and on it will be so incredible if jordan love is good yeah yeah it's like how do you possibly get that lucky I if you're green times, bay to go times. from far of to rogers to love yeah. if jordan love is is legit Absolutely. All right. Let's say hello to Rick Blue, who just came in with a whole bunch of food. <laughs> now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com careers. Equal opportunity employer. Rick Ballou is here. Uh-huh. He's been here all day now. Ballou was out here uh-huh. early. He was hitting balls. He was giving giving advice to the players. I saw you all day here. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. It's uh, it's so fun to get out here and just walk around and, and take a look at everything. And, um, you know, let's hope the weather's better than uh, it was a year ago. Remember, you know what, we had a at least a, a one-hour delay, then around 11 o'clock or so. Uh, they had to shut everything down. They, they finally concluded the first round on Saturday. It took like 55 hours plus yeah. to complete yeah. the first 18 holes of the 2022 players. And, and, and look, I think they're going to make up for all that because I think it's going to be beautiful weather, Rick. A little cooler, obviously, than some years, but I think it's going to be gorgeous. Uh, not much wind today, and today Lorna ain't thought the most wind, so it's going to be a gorgeous uh, handful of days. Should be a lot of fun. I mean, uh, we had a chance to go out here and play recently, and it was beautiful. Obviously, the rough was growing in. The greens at that point were were really furry. I, I heard a few complaints today about the greens, and I love it. I love when these guys complain. There's nothing that <laughs> I enjoy more to, to look at these manicured lawns and and just how pristine the the greens are but for the members of the pga tour they love to find something that is in fact wrong so it'll be interesting to see what they have to say after their first round tomorrow but i mean i think this tournament's wide open yeah i mean five of the top 10 from a year ago are part of the live they're not even here so i mean it's going to be one of the more difficult tournaments i think to 
to really handicap. And, you know, I think you can pick anywhere from 15 to 20, 25 guys who have a legitimate shot of winning it. All right, your pick will be tonight and other stuff, I'd imagine. Yeah, i got a few things that I'm still running through the lab uh, okay. that should come out around 7 tonight. So <laughs> I'm going to uh, release it then. Uh, the Boston Capper is going to give us his thoughts on the 2023 players as well as, you know, listen, the incomparable J.J. LaSalva yes. is going through a full uh, autopsy right now, and yeah. he's going to give us his picks on this as well. So we're going to put a lot of thought into it tonight, and that and the Calvin Ridley story and his piece. Yeah. What another unbelievable – isn't it amazing how every day goes by and is another – phenomenal story I know. about the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's been, it's been an amazing run that started in Canton and hasn't stopped. I agree with you. Uh, Rick, thanks, buddy. All right. Rick Beluga's into the night right now. Folks, that'll do it for our program. The next time you hear from us, uh, round one will be underway, and a lot of the players will be done. Who will do best in our Loser Monday? That and a whole lot more coming up in just a bit. We're out of here, but don't go anywhere. Rick Beluga's into the night right now. For Hayes, Lauren, and Gibby, I'm Frank Frangie. Have a great night.